Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tannen Grace. As always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam, but with a little extra Grizzly Adams this week. A little, yeah. It's uh, The beard has gotten up there. I meant to uh, to trim it this morning before I went in to do Versus Live, and then instead I didn't. I don't know how to explain it, right? Like, there's, like, the normal beard, but then, like, when it starts to really fill in, like, around the jawline down into the neck, and it starts to block, yeah, like, it starts to block the neck above the uh, Adam's apple, and, like, you usually keep yours a little bit shorter than that. You usually keep, like, the tighter, fuller beard, and now it's, like, kind of growing downward. Yeah, also, uh, my beard hair is pretty curly, so it gets a lot of volume when it grows long. So instead of, you know, you know, some people, if they grow a beard that's long, it just like goes down and that they get a lot of length away from their face. The I don't. The top look. Yeah, I get a big like round, just mass, almost like a chin afro. <laughs> so it's really funny because you and I have it backwards because like your hair is really straight yes. on the top of your head. And so, I mean, you can kind of see it now. You know, my hair, I haven't had a haircut in like two months now. And I usually cut my hair like every two or three weeks. I have really curly hair. Like, I have an afro. Like, I have a... I just have a mullet, actually. Like, when it grows out the back, it just starts to curl. You know what I mean? Like, I used to have a, a weird line of curl around my head of where my hair would grow on my hat when I used to play baseball and stuff a lot, and I just had a hat on every day. But uh, my beard grows straight. Like, I'm pretty sure if I grew it out, I'd have one of those, like, longer, like, wizard vertical beards. beards. Yeah, but the thing is, is, like, it's never going to happen because... I don't like the in-between phase. Like, right now, the length that I have is actually a little bit too much. Like, my face is itching right now. This is I'm talking about it. Yeah, I, about I it. can, based on what I can see, you're, you're definitely in the, like, you know, week and a half. Yeah, week, yeah. Week and you half, have to make like, the decision. Yeah, that you're you're in the shit or get off the pot phase. It, it, it also sucks, too, that, like, so... It it, it it I have good stubble, right? Like, it's even all the way through. It's, like, well done. But then, like, when my beard grows out, it doesn't grow out either at the same rate or, like, it gets kind of scraggly at first. And it, it surprises me. I wouldn't think I'd have that problem because I'm a hairy dude. But, like, the, uh, the, the Fu Manchu, like, whatever, you know, the mustache into the beard, into, the, like, the thing under the lip, that all grows in, like, super thick right away. And the other stuff, like, doesn't catch up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it looks, it looks like I'm doing this on purpose, and it's kind of annoying because I'm not. Yeah, your, you know? your goatee definitely grows in uh, a, a little bit faster, and I get especially the mustache. You are, you're right. It's really, it is kind of weird. My mine does grow in relatively evenly. I would say I'm actually the opposite. I think the my cheeks grow a little bit faster, um, which is why I tend to trim them shorter. Are one of the reasons. And then the corners of my mouth are where it's thinnest. And you can tell if I keep my beard really short like I used to, you know, five, six years ago, um, you can almost see that it thins out right around here. Uh, I guess they can't hear me. I don't know why I said here, but Tana can see me. I was going to say something, but you you got there. It's it's better when I keep the beard longer. It it actually looks more even, which is nice. You know what's kind of great if anyone who just randomly stumbled onto our podcast and this is the first episode they'd listened to, they would think that we're like a pioneer. We're like Grizzly Adams, like outdoor podcast and nothing <laughs> about magic, the gathering. They'd be like, yeah, next they're going to talk about like their favorite ax handle or, you know, like the, the cast iron pot they keep in their backpack when they go hiking, you know, like which one they like the best, you know, like and that kind of stuff. It's like, so I was taking a 10 mile trek through Yellowstone only 10 miles is light, light day, Ross. Yeah, you know? very light day. You know, I wanted to take it easy. Oh, man. 
I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if you can see the 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 actual joy on my face right now. I I miss people so much. I miss you so much, Ross. I'm I'm going stir crazy. It's starting to get to me. Mm. At least you have a person there. I'm just yeah. That's true. I do have someone. But here's the here's the other thing. It's kind of like I have a person here a lot of times, and then kind of not. Uh, Natalie actually defends tomorrow at 3 p.m. Def defends her dissertation, so sh she will be a doctor after after tomorrow. You know, like that that will happen. And you're jinxing your own wife. Dude, she's like never gonna not. <laughs> it, it, when you get to, when you get to this point, it's so hard to fail. Like they, because they, they 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 they're with you every every step of the way. You, you're not just surprising them. Like surprise, here's my thesis or here's my dissertation. Like they know what it is. They've already doubling read. down. Yeah, just double. I'm just dig. I'm just di you know you know the easiest way to get out of a hole. Just dig another one. You know or whatever. But um, so uh, the house has been like. In, like, like a, I don't want to say a war zone, but, like, you know, she, like, tensions are a little bit higher on her side. Not in a bad way. Just, like, you know, she's, like, she's a little nervous, like, obviously. Like, in her mind, she knows she's going to pass, right? But there's always that, like, nervous energy that you have. Yeah, uh, for anything that you've invested so much time, effort, and years. yourself yeah. into, you know. Yeah, like, literal years, yeah, and, you know. Until it's and, 100%, like, you're never going to be calm. Yeah, like, I, here's the thing. Since we moved back to Baton Rouge, it's been about, like, three years or something. I don't know the exact date. Uh, in fact, actually, no, it's been four. Because we got Benny the we got Benny the day after we moved back, and she turns four tomorrow. It's actually Benny's birthday tomorrow, Natalie's mom's birthday, and she's defending her dissertation tomorrow. Uh, I have a little bit of surprise for her tomorrow, since it's also... How, how many bottles of champagne have you We bought? have uh, about three or four in the thing. <laughs> um, a bunch of her friends are going to be uh, zooming in and stuff. And, like, I'm assuming that sh she's actually going to have a ton of people watching. I'm going to tell you what the, what the, what the uh, kitchen, quote-unquote kitchen, what the dining room, uh, her office looks like in a minute. But uh, we have all that. And, you know, Cinco de Mayo is coming up. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we love, like, Mexican food, but you can't really, like, get any right now. Um, I have a friend who's, like, a really good cook. He uh, has, like, homemade guac, homemade margaritas, and, like, I think he made oh, some, like, ribs or something. And he's, like, margaritas. delivering he's like delivering all this oh. tomorrow to us. And I'm going to have it for her, like, little party. You know what I mean? Because oh, she'd be like, oh, we have a bottle of champagne. And be like, well, I got all this stuff, too. Like, stuff that she just loves and stuff, too. So the dining room table, you can tell there's a table there, right? But um, so one of the other projects that we've been doing, I think I told you we, like, did a lot of landscaping around the house. We're doing. Do you know what a backsplash is? <laughs> it is the area behind the uh, sort of between the the cabinetry and the countertop. Yeah. So, like, you know, right now we just have like the walls that the house came with, right, and the paint. And generally, like, there's the sink there and the stove top and stuff, and so shit gets on the walls, right? So we found some tile that we like we like the color and the size stuff we're gonna put that on the wall you know like it's a cool contrast that like kind of connects it. it looks yeah it's called a backsplash yeah exactly and so um we had to get those and it's like there are these giant boxes of them right and they're super heavy and i carried them and i injured myself recently and that was just a bad idea because i was like straining myself like more on that in a minute too um <laughs> But the boxes were like this Welcome big, sturdy-ass box. Vent hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I told you before this episode, I'm going to be on a soapbox a lot <laughs> yeah, of this episode. Because I, I got magic-related shit, to, like, ready to fire, too. But, uh, yeah, if, if you like this ep these episodes more for Ross, bad week for you. I'm going off. All right, anyway. <laughs> uh, so we got one of those boxes. All you. Yeah, just... Yeah, so easy week for you, Ross. Yeah. You get paid the same. So uh, we're going to put, yeah, <laughs> y'all didn't see this, Ross tried to fall asleep. So we put one of those uh, like on top of the dining room table, like, you know, with a, with a towel on it. 
and we just have a fucking TV on top of it. Like, Ross just puts on his shades. He's going to chill out. We just have a literal, it's got to be at least a 40 to 50 inch TV sitting on it, right? It's like, you know, towards the back of the thing. And then there's a laptop, my iPad, and like all these wires running to it. And uh, from that to the wall, where that's facing the wall, we uh, installed like a, a pole above it. And we have like this black sheet, right? Because she needs to be something behind her that contrasts, right? You know, and sure. our, you can see the you can see the colors of my wall. Like a human being does not contrast with that. Yeah, you have sort of cream colored. Yeah, because like she's gonna be signing the entire thing. Like someone, she will have a uh, someone there to like someone that they pay to like do you know voice for it. But also everyone on the on the committee, you know, is obviously fluent in sign language and stuff. So she's gonna be signing through the entire thing. But like everything's gonna be up, right? Like she's gonna have the computer, or she'll probably use my camera or whatever. We have the camera set up for her. Um, then the TV is going to have her actual, like everything they can see, because it also has, um, excuse me, uh, you know, a, uh, PowerPoint along with it and everything. So she just has all these screens. And so it was really funny. Cause she was like, how do I do this? How do I do that? Like, in order, I was like, Hey, this is something I can actually help you with, you know, cause I did that live TV show. I was like, I, I did this. Yeah. There's like 15 screens in front of me and you have to learn how to like intake all of it, but at the same time, block out all the noise. It's so difficult the first time. Cause you're just so overwhelmed. And I'm like, but she's been practicing a lot. So she's, I mean, she's going to kill it, like, obviously and stuff. So, um, but for anybody who wants to watch or listen to it, uh, it'll be done before they hear this. I'll say it's at 3 p.m. tomorrow. I have the the Zoom invite. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty popular. Her, her, uh, college, one of her colleges, uh, shared it and it got a lot of press and like somebody with like 50,000 followers on Twitter or something retweeted it or whatever. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> like the, so... We'll see what happens there. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the injury thing. Um, I got good news on it. It still sucks, but I got good news. I thought I had a hernia. Did I tell you this? No. Yeah, I l- legit thought I had a hernia because, like, my chest had been hurting, right? And it just got better and better on all the news because originally, like, I woke up one day, right, and my chest had been, like, bothering me. My chest was really tight. And I was, like, coughing and sneezing. And I was like, Rona, is, is that is that you? Like, is this is this time? Like, you know, I thought I had it. But then I was like... You know, it's not like I have shortness of breath. My chest is just physically yeah, tight. It almost always presents with fever, too. So Yeah, I never had, like, even close to a fever, right? And I didn't have any sleeping problems or anything. I was sleeping like a baby or whatever. So, um, you know, and then the, the thing was, it's like, it's like, the pain is, like, right in my sternum. And I was like, you know, kind of like, you know, yeah, see so you touching it. I was kind of just touching it. And then, like, one day I was like, oh, shit. And Natalie's like, what? I'm like, I can physically feel something that's, like, not, no, you know what I mean? That's, like, not that's abnormal. That is not how my body should feel right there. And like, there's like this node or something there, like, you know, like a little hard spot. And she's like, you might have a fucking hernia. So we like, we look it up and you can get one right there or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Luckily her dad is an actual like MD doctor. And so he comes over cause you can't just go to the doctor right now and be like, Hey, you know, like I need a checkup. Like they're just gonna be like, no, <laughs> like we're not going to let you in the building and stuff. So he came over, uh, put me through a series of tests or whatever. They do this one where, if, like, for the chest one, they, they lay you, you're, you lay down flat, and you do, like, what's, what's the workout called where you, like, you just lift your legs off the ground, you, like, hold them there? It's, like, a core exercise. You know what I'm talking about? You're just laying down yeah. and you just lift your legs up. It's, like, a reverse plank, almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, instead of your instead of a the top dip? part of your body. Is that what they call that? Yeah, yeah, it's something like that, right? And so you do that, and, like, they can have the hand there, and if it's a hernia, it'll, like, physically move. Like, it'll, it'll come up, or whatever, apparently. And it, that didn't happen. And he's like, are you in like actual pain? I'm like, no, it's more just a hindrance. So 
I should be taking anti-inflammatories. I'm not because I'm, I'm that kind of person. Also, I don't want to go to the store just, just to get that. Our local grocery store just had a bunch of people test positive. So, like, might have to go to, like, a, a further away one. I don't know. Did he have any idea what it is? So, apparently, when you, like, strain a muscle right there in, like, your sternum, it, it does actually present this way. Like, it, it hardens or gets, like, tight. You know what I mean? And so, like, because it... Because it's so, like, right up against your skin and stuff because of the bone and stuff right there. Also, I'm super skinny, so, like, you can, you know, I'm super thin. And, like, I'm touching I'll it right now as I'm talking. I mean, it's not, not by so choice. I'm very I'm thin and handsome, and my wife's dad is a doctor, and she's getting a PhD tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a, the most perfect dog in the world. I own my house. I own my cars. You know, like, oh, yeah, life's great. <laughs> Just can't leave the fucking house. <laughs> yeah, but also, I hate my life because I can't leave. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like... The last couple of days have been rough. Like one of my buddies, I've been texting with him all day and he's just like, I never realized how much I needed the gathering in Magic the Gathering. He's like, I, I just want to play Commander so bad. He's like, I built like seven new decks because what else am I going to do? But like, <laughs> I can't play any of them. Also, I can't get the physical cards because like the new set isn't out physically yet um, and stuff. So it's like that. It's like that, uh, that adage. Um, so it goes uh, when you're young you have all the energy and all the time, but no money. And when you're an adult, you have uh, the energy and the money, but no time. And then when you're elderly, you have all the money and the time, but no energy. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the people who are like self-made rich people, and I don't mean like billionaires. I mean, the people that are like, you know, wealthy, like, you know, like... Uh, lawyers doctors and stuff that are like they have a lot of money it's just call like, them the petite bourgeois Tanner. Sh- sure the petite bourgeois they they don't have a lot of time you know what i mean like like growing up one of my friend's parents they were really well off like they live in like the most influential street in baton rouge uh you know it's got like like the governor lived there and like you know politicians um, and stuff. rags continue and well they just own their own <laughs> firm it was like it was like their firm was like their last name their last name their last name you know it was like blank it'd be like Miriam, Miriam, and Miriam. you know and because uh, the whole family did it, he ended up going into it, too. I was like, must be nice, you know, <laughs> like whatever has your name on the door, you know. And uh, like, you know, they obviously made a ton of money. Their house was gorgeous. You know, like their pool house was the, ho- the size of my house, you know, kind of thing. But like the parents were just working all the time, you know, like, yeah, they take like a nice vacation. But like, dude, they worked obscene hours. Yeah, you know, working 80 hours a week and you just don't really get to enjoy it. Yeah, but I mean whatever i mean to each their own i mean you you, at some point in time yeah you could like take some time off maybe i don't know i like i kind of like the 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 little middle ground kind of thing you know like if i want to take some time off i can you know we're we're doing okay money wise like there's a lot of people that you know i'm i'm further behind at this point in life with certain things than i should be but i'm also like further ahead because like i enjoyed my life so much during like my 20s and early 30s you know like i traveled a lot was all over the world, did a bunch of fun stuff, moved around, did what I wanted to do. And now I can like work on retirement and stuff and do that stuff. But then I have the friends that are like my age who've just been busting their balls since they got out of college. And yeah, they got a better 401k than I do. But like by the time they're ready to really enjoy their life, it's like what you said, they're going to be like 60, you know, like. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. And I'm in a, a similar spot where, you know, I'm definitely behind on those things, but I'll figure it out. Not calling anyone out. We probably got a lot of people who listen to this who are like, hey, I follow the atypical, you know, lifestyle. You know, dude, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty jealous of you a lot of times in my life. You know, like, 
you know, my best friend, he did that, you know, straight out of college, he married his high school sweetheart, they're still together, they have three freaking kids, they're more in love than they've ever been, like, I've, I've known her since second grade, I've known him since seventh grade, and I just, like, love them both, I'm the godparent to their first son, and, like, I just go over there, and, you know, he's a muggle, like, you know, like, no magic, like, just, we, we talk baseball, you know, we talk, like, aluminum siding, you know, backsplash, <laughs> you know, Backsplashes, I want to put a, yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to put this pergola in my backyard. What do you think? I'll probably go, you know, you do extended about six feet, you know, like that kind of stuff. He like gets out of, you know, he just happens to have a, uh, what do you call it? A, a tape measure in his pocket. You know, one of those people, yeah. you know. I've got a tape measure lying around somewhere. You you know, I, of course I do too. But like, you know, I'm saying he's like literally just got it in his pocket, like ready to go. <laughs> you know, he's just like, he's like, I got one of those right here. You know, he's you, a fucking yard you know? work. Yeah, he's like, he's like Al Borland, like just ready to go. You Can know, have me a nice little Saturday. Go to the Home Depot yeah, three like, times. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time. I don't know, you know. And so, sorry, I just I hadn't thought about that movie in a while. That's a classic. I really need to rewatch that one. So, um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, and so like, you know, but there was times, you know, where he'd be like, you know, hey, what'd you do over the summer? I was like, oh, I was in Vegas all summer doing all this, you know, crazy fun stuff. You know, we'd go to like, you know, the day the day spa or like the day club, and you know. You know, wake up at 2, 2 p.m., do that till 6 or 7 p.m., and then, like, go play all night, and blah, 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 do whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, I miss that. And then I'm just seeing him with, like, his kids and his wife at his nice home. You know, they're having, like, a nice dinner together. And I'm like, there, I'm like, yo, this is really nice, too. You know, yeah. like, I could get behind this. Because yeah. I'm such a homebody now. Like, I prefer, like, honestly, like, I say that I'm going to start crazy. This is kind of nice. You know, like, been binge watching some television with the wife, you know, found, found a new, a new show that we like together. Uh, we've been watching a uh, new Amsterdam. I don't know. It's like a, a cable TV show. Is it about early New York? No, no, no. It's about the, the hospital that was made from that. Yeah. The hospital's like 400 years, 300 years old uh, or whatever, but okay. it's a public hospital. And like, dude, they like challenge the establishment. Like they're what, okay. For, a, the show goes super hard, right? Like, I tear up almost, like, every episode. Like, they go hard. They try to make you cry every episode. B, um, the things they tackle on episodes, I'm like, this is cable television? You know, like, I wouldn't expect, like, NBC to be like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, this episode's gun control. The next episode is, like, you know, uh, minorities getting, like, overly arrested than normal. You know what I mean? Like, it, and then the next one, they're like, oh, the healthcare system sucks. And I'm like, Jesus, like these guys are just not pulling punches and it's obscenely high rated. It's, it's been renewed through the roof and I'm like, it's well acted. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. I love it. Let's go. Um, I don't know the names of the people, but the reason I found it is the main actor, like the, the, the main person, the story is about, he was in a show that we used to watch called blacklist. And, uh, he's like the main actor of whatever. Cause, uh, What's the uh, the older dude in Blacklist James with the Spader. voice? Yeah, Spader. I was about to say yeah, it's a Spader. Yeah, he's. I love it. Almost anything Spader does. So I checked out Blacklist. And that show was great too. So, and I realized I have been talking a lot for the last twenty minutes, Ross. I have not heard of any of these people. Yeah, the show's good. There's a lot of. I think a lot of these people. Where this is the show they're going to make their name on. You know what I mean? Like this is uh, where the you know their big thing, and they're they're probably hoping to get seven or eight seasons out of it. You know, a few hundred episodes and. Because here, here's the thing, you, you know, we're in the golden age of television. A lot of people have said that. I think people finally realize that, A, you you can have good writers and good actors on television now, right? When you think about the the stuff that really, sh like, shined and stood out in the, you know, 90s and 80s, it was the ones that either, A, had better actors, or B, or both, had better writing, right? You know, like, obviously some stuff got lucky, but now people are realizing it's also a good career. If you put in a good, solid five to eight years and get syndicated, you know how much money these people make? Oh, yeah. 
Like you're getting paid like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars per episode at some of the big stuff. And then if your show gets syndicated, you get money for like the, the like friends, they're still getting paid for friends. Oh yeah. Like uh, what's it called? Seinfeld. Do you know how much money they make off Seinfeld still? There's those syndication rights ended up selling in like the billions. I don't know, like, exactly how that gets divided, but, you know. Like, Seinfeld specifically, it was, like, Netflix and then a couple of the other ones. Like, they all out, tried to outbid each other to get it. Yeah. So, like, and, and they get a cut of that. Like, it's still, you know, it's still his name. <laughs> you know, like, he still owns royalty rights. I'm sure he wasn't an idiot and signed it over. Oh, yeah. No, he they, they're all ridiculously wealthy. And Dreyfus was already rich to begin with. She comes from a rich family. Yeah, Big Bang Theory. I think they were making, they were all making something like 750000 or more per episode towards the end of it. And then it's on five different channels. They, on they TV. did 200 plus episodes over the course of a decade. Yeah, I think they even did like 11 or 12 seasons or something stupid. Yeah, like, ugh, you know, and I don't blame, at some point you're like, I'm rich enough. I've done this character enough, you know, or whatever. But apparently you just need to get syndicated. So Ross, we need to get syndicated. I don't know how we could ever get, I don't know how we could ever get our podcast syndicated, but... Um, maybe there's a maybe there's a ceiling. I, I don't you know. Can, you can be syndicated <laughs> on national radio. That's a thing. I think I, I think I could do radio. I think I've got the we face for radio. Like a, at least. We can be like a Prairie Home Companion with less scandals. I have no idea what that is, but I'm in. Garrison Keeler. Nope. No, never heard of any. Doesn't of ring a bell. Would that fit in with what we were talking about earlier, where like we talk about axe handles and our favorite cast iron uh, pot? Actually, and... kind of. He he always uh, the. The setting for his thing was always, uh, like, was it Lake Wobegon? It was supposed to be this, like, idyllic sure. Midwestern, you know, lake town. And it, it was a uh, very pastoral American life. Um, but it turns out Garrison Keillor is kind of a piece of shit. So that stopped happening. You know what? Never meet your heroes. Never look into someone's life if you really don't want to know. Because most people are pieces of shit, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I've had my moments. I know that for sure. Especially when you start making lots of money and get syndicated. Dude, it's so hard, right? Like, it's so, like, you know, we say that just be a good, decent person. It's got to be difficult because it's everyone. Like, almost every rich person or anyone in power. What's what's the thing? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, like, it's just so true. Like, they're all just giant pieces of shit. <laughs> like, I just don't understand. Like, or whatever, but... Uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, let's, let's get off that soapbox and on to another one, I guess. We can maybe circle back Just and do some more. soapbox hopping here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, soapbox hopping. I, I have one box next. Look, look, uh, look, this... this uh, What's the deal with airline peanuts? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, seriously, what is the fucking deal with airline peanuts? They, they all make those little shitty pretzels. I hate pretzels. You remember, okay, you remember how we talked on the last episode, the correct utensil to eat with macaroni and cheese? Yeah. The chef that's in our food thing says, you're both wrong. The correct utensil is pretzels. And I was like, no, I don't like pretzels. So if, if you like pretzels, yeah, pre that sounds great. Me? I was like, no. And then I offered, remember I'll talk to you about this once. Uh, one of my favorite things to use for spin dip, like the vehicle to get the cheese to your mouth, yeah. was fried bow tie pasta. Like you cook the pasta and then fry it? I guess, because it's literally just like a little, like a fried thing, like a battered fried thing. And it's in the shape of bow tie pasta. Some restaurant here in Baton Rouge does it. And like, you can probably only order it like once a year. Otherwise, you're just going to have a heart attack yeah. or whatever. It's just going to kill. That will kill you. It's But it's amazing. Have you ever had fried right? ravioli? 
Yes, it's a it's, it's incredible. phenomenal. So the yeah, place it's the same thing. Yeah, the place two blocks from me does a, a fried wild mushroom ravioli. It's there. You go. We just made the greatest dish of all time. And the chef hears it here. Put this on your damn menu. It's fried ravioli tapped topped with mac and cheese. <laughs> there you go. Done. Boom. You can call it. You can call it the T and R. The Tannin and Ross. What are you stuffing the mac the ravioli with? Uh, I, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, if, it depends on what kind of cheese you use with – I say this as the lactose intolerant person on the show – what kind of cheese you're using with the mac and cheese because um, I think it needs to be one of those cheeses that contrasts well plus texture-wise. So, like, maybe, like, a goat cheese or, like, a ricotta – like, you know, something thicker, like, that doesn't have the 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 gooey consistency that mac and cheese does. We're, we're going to be using lots of different cheeses in the mac and cheese tin. That or you can you can pick a different ravioli. Maybe, like, you get you get to choose what ravioli you want. You know what I mean? Like, there's a couple different ones. Like, we have a lobster and crawfish ravioli down here, and boy, is it good. Yeah, yeah, lobster ravioli is definitely a favorite. Have you ever had? Have you ever had crawfish? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. Right, for everyone who's unindoctrinated, uh, mud bugs or crayfish, as other places, it's crawfish. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I have. They're little mini lobsters that you have to eat, and it's a lot of work. I know what, yeah. I know what they are. They're just not very common in every place I've lived. So yeah, they don't they, they don't exist in most places. Yeah. It's funny. There's one decent place you can get them in Vegas, and like they do it, like they fly it in apparently, and the price of it. So like a sack of it here, you can find for like three to five dollars. There, it's like eighteen or something, obviously or whatever. But it, people will get together and buy a bunch of it. Thankfully, I've never been a huge crawfish person. So, by the way, like five minutes ago, I said that we were going to get off this soapbox and move into the magic one, and it just hasn't I happened. I thought you said we were moving on to another soapbox, so I just assumed you hopped onto your crawfish soapbox, and now we're here. It was going to be a magic soapbox. So, like I said, we, we can we can circle back. I think this episode is going to be a little more informal than usual and a little fun. Uh, I think you could tell that I was a little out of not out of it. I was a little crazy today. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. You're I'm, I'm you than... look wired. You look like you've had about four cups of coffee. Um. So I've been cutting back on my uh, caffeine intake the last few days. Like I usually drink at least I have a an addiction to V8 energy drinks. So it's like uh, there's this like pomegranate blueberry one that I just freaking love. It tastes so good. And I used to have it with breakfast, like on the way to work. You know, I drink one, so I have energy for work. And it doesn't have typical caffeine. It's like green tea. It's it's a full servings of like vegetables and fruit. It's it's obviously still horrible for you in some way. I'm sure. Like I'm looking at the back of the can. I'm sure there's something in here. I'm sure there's something in here that's gonna kill me. But if I look at the back of the can, it's just like vitamin this, vitamin that, vitamin this point, this point, that. You know what I mean? Like just a, just a billion things. I'm like, oh, this sounds great. But then you get into the stuff and it's like, oh, it's got iron in it and, and like, which is good in certain amounts, you know, but does have trans fats, but good in certain amounts. Does have dietary fiber. It has like trans fats in an energy drink. Uh, I'm sure something, cause it has carbs. So I'm sure like something from one of the things they use to make this somehow has trans fat in it. Yeah. They have to, if there's any amount, they have to tell you, but here's the thing. I've been cutting back where like, I don't even have a full one ever that every day. And sometimes I don't even have one anymore. Cause like, honestly, like, what do I need the caffeine for? Right. But today I had a meeting this morning and like a lot of work. Cause I think I told you about this Tuesday is my like really busy day. This is Tuesday, by the way, when we're recording. And I drank like half of one this morning that was left over from yesterday, right? And then today, I was streaming before this, and I was playing like a first-person shooter with some people, and we were having a lot of fun. And without thinking about it, you know, I went in the front to get some water, like in between games. I just grabbed another one and cracked it. So I had like one and a half today, when I had cut back to like half. So I like tripled my intake today, and I hadn't been drinking a lot of caffeine. So yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. I'm I'm pretty wired today. It's all just concentrated juices and caffeine. Where is the where are the trans fats coming? 
I have no idea. Is it in like right? the, the sweet potatoes? Do they have I know, but look, hey, look. Okay, I'm reading, I'm reading the side of this. Hold on. One combined serving of veggies and fruit. Excellent source of B vitamins per serving. No sugar added. Thank you. Uh, no GMO. Thank you. And uh, no artificial coloring. That's also great. Because when you pour it out, it does actually look like pomegranate and blueberry. You know what well, I mean? It does say trans fat zero gram. So that means it's under four tenths of a gram per serving. Here's the thing. Have you ever had an energy drink like one of the crazy ones, not just Red Bull? I'm talking like Monster, Rockstar. You know, I've the big. I've never had a single thing. one of them. Okay, so I used to drink a lot of them, I've right? I've had half a can of Red Bull in my life and it was gross. Yeah, I used to, I used to be kind of addicted to the stuff at work or, yeah. you know, playing poker and stuff. You want to know the easiest way to get yourself unaddicted to them? Pour it out of the can and look at what you're drinking. <laughs> it looks fucking disgusting. Nuclear horse piss. It's, it's like thick. You know what I mean? It's not like syrup, but it's like thick. You know what I mean? It pours out like a liquid, you know, the same consistency as like, you know, if you put water in there. But you know, like when you look at Coke, it's like you can tell there's syrup mixed in there. You can, and like, I don't drink soda anymore. So it all I taste a is viscosity syrup. Viscosity to it. Yes. Perfect word. Viscosity. Yeah. There's that, like a viscosity when it's like coming out of the can and you're like, and then it's this weird color. And you're like, now you understand why all the, all the cans are like these bright, crazy, you know, cool looking colors. And it's just like, just don't look at just don't look at it. Because, like, you, every now and then, you know, you eat a good meal, and you're like, don't look at the meal. The meal looks like crap. But when you eat it, you're like, this tastes amazing. Just gulp it down, fuck face. <laughs> it's like um, really good vegetarian meals when you have, like, a lot of ingredients. They would look a lot worse if they weren't so, like, vibrantly colored. You know what I mean? The color helps out a lot. Because it's just a mishmash of shit. Like, you know, it's like 17 different things of four different, like, cumin and this and that. And, like... You know, the, the cumin makes this thing colored weird. Unless your you know. spice mix is, like, heavy on paprika, it always just kind of ends up some sort of brownish. Yeah, I, I do use paprika quite a bit. It's very good. I mean, like, very, like, when you start going uh, vegetarian in any way or, like, sh- shifting that way, you learn to spice your food very well. <laughs> if you do not, you are going to have a hard time. I go through a lot of curry powder. <laughs> yeah? I was going to say, I need to do more of the curry powder. Uh. A lot of curry powder. All right. Magic the Gathering. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. We can circle back if we need to. Um, so we're going to look at some of the results this weekend. Hopefully we can get to all of it uh, because there was a lot of results this w- over the last week. A lot of tournaments were played. We believe that it was because of the problem last week where they had to kind of like cancel some stuff uh, mid-tournament. I, I think that's what happened back. because they, they like canceled some events over the weekend because of the Gyruda bug. Um and I think they just all basically got pushed back. So we had two two sets of challenges. So basically that added one tournament because there were going to be two super qualifiers either way. Although, no, maybe they delayed because they canceled that one super qualifier in the middle, right? Like in round four? I think they did. So I think that's why we had extra tournaments this week. But we, we've got two super qualifiers and two challenges. No, you're right. You're right. I remember because Paul Frodo was like... Uh you know he's like 5-0 or 4-1 and someone's like yeah well you shouldn't have played you know that card he's like i wasn't you know like yeah they just canceled the event yeah just canceled the event yeah uh yeah which was kind of weird but i don't i I don't i mean whatever who makes that decision like whatever yeah so so um go ahead i'm I'm just gonna say basically like the results are pretty pointed towards a very specific metagame so pioneer is kind of condensed you know we've seen the impact of ikoria there, people would have definitely tried out some decks with it, and there's a few that have risen to the top. And if you look at these four uh, tournaments, like there's a pretty clear set of, I would say, five decks that are at the top. And I think only one of them doesn't have a companion, right? 
Two. You actually think a non-companion deck is in the top five decks? Two non-companion decks, yeah. This is saying you actually think yeah. that... Okay, They're so the like two best Inverter and Lotus Korea, Breach. Yeah. Which are uh, Lotus Breach and Demir Inverter. Inverter. Can I, can I soapbox? Can we get back on one? Yeah. I pretty much hate Companion. I, I'm, I'm like, here, here's the thing. I, I've tried to stay away from it. There's been a lot of discourse on, on Twitter, like the sky is falling. You know, you know, they're horrible for this or horrible for that. I think they're great. I really do. I think they're cool. I think it's innovative. Jorgen is amazing. Like, look at these deck lists that are coming out, right? People just jamming 80, you know, 95 cards and they're, you know, hey, what's your 75? You mean, what's my 95? I fucking hate it. Let's be real. Man. You hate it? I hate it. I like that these decks look cool. It's, it's, it's cool, right? The problem that I have, the main problem that I have with this is you are almost punished for not playing one. Like, especially in the, I mean, we're not just talking Pioneer. I'm talking about other formats too. Standard, Modern, you know, especially Legacy. Like, Vintage. If you're not playing one, you are dead money. You are giving away value. Like, and so that hurts deck building. It hurts diversity. I just feel like they took something that was cool, right? It was a sweet novel idea, and they made it too necessary. That's the problem that I have. Yeah, and and that's one of the difficulties with the mechanic itself is that it's it's powerful enough just on the surface, you know, getting that extra card that if you put too much power into the card itself, you know, it becomes a dominant uh, you know strategy. So you need to really rein that in. But if you rein it in too much and it's not good, then your one of your flagship mechanic ends up uh, flopping. So like, what is the range where it works out? And I think Companion has a pretty narrow range, which is a problem. You know, here we've definitely seen Luris and Yorian basically rise above the rest. Those are the two Companions that are seeing significant play and are in, you know, Tier 1 archetypes. See a little bit of Obosh Gruul. Uh, there was an Azorius Control deck with Kahira in it just as a free roll because they're creatureless. You know, good for you. Um, haven't really seen Gigantha. You know, Gigantha was kind of marketed or heralded as the easiest one to get in. Like, you just didn't really have much of a deck building restriction there. And in a lot of decks, it was just free. But it's also just the lowest payoff. And it turns out that the restrictions on the ones that are really powerful, like Lurus and Yorian, are easy enough to meet that you'd rather just get the really high payoff. Uh, so I don't think there's a single Gigantha in these four top eights. I think there is 10 Lurises, 9 Yorians, 1 Kahira, 1 Obosh. Honestly, those numbers look a little small to me, too. I, I kind of expected more. And, I mean, I think one of the... So, like, we, we're looking at four... Different that's the four top eights, not, not top 32. So that's 32 total decks, and you're looking at 21... Uh, so about two-thirds companions. Yeah. And of the 11 non-companion decks, it was seven Lotus Breaches and four Demir Inverters. Yeah. And so, like... The question that I have there, is that diverse? Like, does that lead to diversity? Because here's the thing. it Almost no deck got... Like, there was almost no, no new spawned deck from this, right? Like, people just, like, shoehorned it in their deck. They were like, oh, I can only play odd cards? Easy. Cut this and that. Add this and that. We're good to go. Or, like, you know, they just cut one card from, you know, certain decks. Like, the you know, the burn deck and the in the, the black-white deck. And they're like, oh, we get to play Luris now. You know, kind of thing. And then, like, you see these decks in, like, these mid-range piles that have 80 cards. Like, Yorian's just like, we'll make Sultai 80. We'll make Mono White. We'll add the blue back into it and make it 80 cards. We just have Yorian, and it's great. 
And then people are like, well, if you're doing that, like, I'll just play Lotus Breach and just beat the crap out of you, you know, because, like, my deck is streamlined and quick, and you're trying to cast this five-mana sorcery speed thing that doesn't interact with me, you know, kind of thing. So, hope you brought your damping series in your sideboard. Yeah, and good luck drawing them in your 80-card deck, idiot. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's the funny thing. And the Demir Inverter is, like, the same kind of thing, right? Like, they're just going to goldfish you half the time because you're going to draw the wrong half of your deck. Like, you're going to draw your creature removal in your 80-card deck or whatever, but they're going to laugh at you because it doesn't do anything, you know, kind of thing. So, it's interesting to me. I'm worried about the format going forward. I'm worried about their, you know, legality or how forced we are into this. Maybe we're, you know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. I, I've given it a few weeks. I've been watching the results. I've been watching streams, and I'm kind of just bored of it already. Like, I'm kind of just over it. Yeah, um, so I, I think that's what a lot of people were expecting um and you know it's only been a week or week and a half week and a half uh with the set is it really oh my god yeah. it feels like it's been a month already it's been, it's been it's been you know we're coming up on two weeks by the time they they're listening to this it'll be about two weeks um and, and you're right it really hasn't spawned anything new it hasn't really spawned anything new in standard either right it's like we can play Rakdos with Leros or Rakdos with Obosh. We can play, you know, Just Guy Fires, which is the best deck last season with with uh, Karuga. Yeah, whatever and, it is. You know, we, you know, we can play uh, the our uh, whatever deck with Yorian, uh, and then Modern. You get like you know, Team Urza play Yorian. There's a lot of different Luris decks in Modern, mainly because Mishra's Bala makes it a lot easier to make Luris awesome. So Modern is a little bit better in that regard. If they ban something like LED or Bobble because of Luris, <laughs> like, just get out of here. Yeah. I, I'm kind of interested in what it would look like if the, if you ban Luris and Yorian. Like, how much do the other companions see play? Obviously, in, in Standard, you have uh, Karuga. Just take away Companion outside of Standard. It's, it's that easy. Like... Or Yorian's okay. They, they can keep Yorian, okay? Because that one's not like. I mean, I think Yorian might be better than Laris and Pioneer. So I'm not saying that it's like more powerful or better. It's just like the thing is, is like it's not degenerate. When when you, you know what I mean, you're not you're not getting something looped on you every turn. But maybe it is. I don't know. Like oh, have you not seen these decks? I mean, you're I've seen about loops? some of them. Like have you, know, you seen them blink Charming Prince with their Yorian, and then okay. it comes back, and then it blinks yeah. the Yorian, and then on their end step, it blinks the Charming Prince, and then they just keep going every turn. Degenerate was the wrong word. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not doing like some like quote-unquote like combo deck you know like you see in, sure. in legacy where like luris just kills you you know yeah i mean these are generally not combo cards they found their best success in fair decks that just get to load up they get to decrease their threat density in the main and instead load up on disruption and you know in the case of yorian decks like just more cantrips and use their companion as a way to generate free card advantage so and then add consistency because they're going to have that early disruption more often and then they're going to be able to reload after it uh, and it's just you know very difficult to interact with unless you have counter spells at the right time uh so that's generally where the Luris and yorian have found their home and obviously gyruda is basically just a combo deck combo deck uh you know zerda in modern has been put into some combo decks um but that's where the the two most successful ones have been in fair archetypes and what I think we're seeing is they basically squeezed out every other fair deck. Like if you're, so it's not you have to play a companion; it's you have to play a companion or a combo deck. 
slash like non-interactive deck like in modern you can play big mana something that takes advantage of the companion deck yeah, yeah something that just trumps attrition games and doesn't worry about attrition games and beats decks that are trying too hard to win attrition games you know it, it's lotus breach and inverter in pioneer it's big mana and like storm or whatever you know those kinds of decks they're not seeing as much success in modern because the disruption is better there but in Pioneer, like, if people are just playing Yorian and blinking Heliod and Daxos, you know, you're just going to kill them on turn five and be, be done with it. So, um, you know, th- what that's what's happened. That's where the homogeneity is coming in. It's coming in the, the fact that you just can't, there's no diversity of fair strategies. And so whatever the best deck around the best companions is, are those are the only fair decks that you get to play. And, it, you know, when you're playing a fair matchup, which is often going to come down to attrition, then and you're not playing a companion, like, you're just giving up an edge, not only in card advantage, but in consistency. And I think that's the understated aspect. Like, everybody gets to build their deck knowing that once they get to, you know, three mana, five mana, they're going to have this card, and it's going to be at least minimally good, right? You know, you're going to rebuy a bobble with your Lurus. You're going to re, you're going to blink an Astrolabe or blink a Thraben Inspector with your Yorian at, you know, virtually minimum. Yeah. When the floor is that high, like that's what, that's where you really see the card shine, right? And the ceiling is this card wins the game on the spot. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, if we want to talk about the results this weekend, we don't have to get into like, we don't have to specifically be like this tournament, you know, this, we can talk about the winning decks, but. I think the real breakout this weekend, and we kind of, you know, mentioned it multiple times, is Lotus Breach is back, and it's very good. I know that uh, Caleb Schur had a hell of a week this week. Yeah, top eighted a uh, super qualifier, won one of the challenge events. I think he was 12th in one of the other two events, either the other super qualifier or other challenge. So, you know, three really strong finishes, including a win. Really great week from him. No surprise, on a week where the big story is Lotus Breach, you know, that Caleb is the one leading the charge. And what we had was, like, we went into the week with Lurus being all the rage, right? They were public enemy number one. And so the early part of the week, and if you look at the first Pioneer Super Qualifier, the early part of the week is about Yorian midrange decks being able to beat the Lurus decks. So we've got two Heliod uh, Ballista decks that are splashing blue and going up to 80 cards for Yorian. You know... These decks, they are great at blocking early against, like, Burn. They don't take damage from their lands for the most part. They have some good cheap removal. I think Reflector Mage is great against both Lurus decks. Primary Lurus decks are Lurus Burn and Orzavoras. Uh, and Reflector Mage is awesome against both of them. So this deck should be pretty good in those matchups. Also, you can gain a, a ton of life with Heliod and Daxos, things like that. And But still has the ability to play long games against, you know, control decks or other mid-range decks. Especially with Yorian. I played this deck on Versus today against Sultai Delirium, also with Yorian, and it was comical. I was because I was the one being aggressive, my removal was better somehow. Like, I don't know how the mono white deck just had way better tools than the three color deck, but and, and it's not even like the blue splash was like that important. I boarded out Reflector Mage. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know, you talked about this before, like. That's one of the matches where Elspeth Conquers Death really shines. And you're talking about, like, that is the card that I think has the, the highest ceiling and the lowest floor in this deck. And is generally just super messed up or just a complete blank. And when it's good, it's really good, right? And even against the Lurus decks, you, you always have one target. You always have a target for the first one. <laughs> uh, but the second one is what's not good. But yeah, in these mid-range mirrors, 
you exile something, then you blink with your ring, you exile something else, then a couple turns later you get something back. Uh, like there, it just buries them, and it's super important in the mirror because it answers you know Heliod and all these hard to answer things. This deck is awesome at using Yorian. It still has you know one of the underrated aspects of it is the threat of the combo makes every other interactive deck play awkwardly because they don't want to just die on the spot, and that helps you you buy time. This to me is the best Yorian deck, and there's there's this there's you know Sultai Yorian, there's Bant Yorian, there's uh, Super Friends, Fires Yorian, uh, because Yorian is sweet with Fires of Invention. Oh, yeah, it is. You, you like, play your Fires and you're, like, Sweeper or something on turn four, and then you go, like, Planeswalker, activate, play Yorian, blink everything, including the Fires. Now I can use my mana to play a third spell, like, get, th- get a triple spell turn in my Fires deck, and, like, they're just buried. That happened today on Versus in Standard. <laughs> Corey actually played four spells. He went turn five, like, Planeswalker, Yorian, Blink, uh, Teferi, Scorching Dragonfire. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, I was playing an aggro deck. The game was over. Yeah, you were dead. Um, Another cool thing, too, is, like, you know, obviously we're seeing every card get value off Yorian, but, like, some of the little, like, corner case stuff, I love how Baffling End works with Yorian. It's like, you get to exile the creature permanently. Yeah, they get this 3-3 when it blinks, and then you, you know, you blink it, they get the 3-3, then you could take the 3-3. Like... You know, on the yeah, or you can just like take a more relevant creature, right? You can just essentially pongify a creature, turn it into a three-three. That's a rapid hybridization for people that weren't playing during Planar Chaos. Yeah, it's not it's not uh, Oblivion Ring, right? Like it, it it has that effect, and something happens when it dies, but you don't get the thing back. You know, yeah. so when you're like in the mirror, when you're hitting anything, you know, it literally just kills everything in the mirror pretty much. But when you're you can even turn Heliod into a three-three if that's if they have enough devotion, that's really important. Yeah, so you're like, kill your Hillyard. They're like, all right, play this other thing. You're like, all right, kill that thing. You know, like you just start pointing at stuff. And then it's like the Spider-Man meme. There's a bunch of three threes. I don't know. So, I don't know. This deck seems great. Uh, I think the mana base is good in it. Um, getting to play just a bunch of irrigated farmlands along with check lands is sweet. You know, having a cycling land. It Honestly, if you needed another blue-white land, let's say you needed like one more, you could play one of the Triomes in this deck. Like if you just had to. That just has blue-white in it. You know, you know like, one of the lists plays a port town. You can see that the slight differences in these two lists. First place list has a port town and a castle Ardenvale. Second place list just has two more basic planes. I do like having something like a castle in the deck, especially like castle Ardenvale. Like you're not super control. And I like that card a lot when you're on the more controlling in, but <clears throat> just having something else to do with your mana is nice. Especially when, you know, these mirrors and these like mid range decks, you're going to go long and very yeah. long. I, I like the castle quite a bit. Um, I would I would definitely play one if if I were to play this deck. First place also has a couple of legions landings and birth of Melitis. I've not seen these cards in this deck, and those are those are both interesting. Birth of Melitis like kind of cute with the Orion, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was gonna say I've seen these kind of in these decks. You know, it's just like more things to do with their mana early. I actually like birth of Melitis quite a bit. It's not good in certain matchups, but like making sure you hit your fifth mana is a big deal in this deck that's trying to cast Yorian for sure. Yeah, you know, as soon as possible. It seems like they're just expecting to play against more of the burn decks. So definitely, like, this card seems great against Lurus Burn. But Legion's Landing is also kind of interesting. Again, like, get that mana advantage. You know, it can it's a mana sink late. Uh, you know, you generate plenty of creatures that you're attacking with. Extra pressure against decks where you just need another, like, early creature. Like, yeah, it's a 1-1, one, one, but it's, it's something to do on 1 and start attacking. It's also, just, like... A, Good with Heliod, right? You connect with it. Now you're starting to put counters everywhere. So lifeline creatures definitely synergize well with Heliod. Another piece of devotion, too. If you that's just a, that's never a cool flip one. It. 
So I kind of like some of the stuff the first place list is doing. Other card I, I want to highlight here, again, in the first place list is the two copies of Isolate. Seeing this card pop up a lot more because it is very good against Orzavoras, where, you know, it can exile a whole host of permanents and obviously exile-based removal against Lurus decks, really important. Also a good card against Lurus Burn, right? They play 12 one-drop creatures, so just having some good removal early on turn one. This deck doesn't do a whole lot on turn one. You often play an ETB tap land, but when you don't have one of those or you have two ETB tap lands and you want to play something for one mana on turn two, so you can get to your threes, fours, and fives, like that that really nicely fills in your curve. And then, you know, even sometimes you go like, you know, two drop on two, turn three, two drop plus isolate uh, can really help you out. So, they, you know, it's pretty clear that these decks are trying to beat those Lurus decks, and they were successful in doing so. With you mentioned it and thinking about it after looking at this list, I would be terrified to play against this with a Luris Burn deck. Like this just seems awful to play against. Almost every card in this deck is just a nightmare for you. Like just Charming Prince even just gaining life. Like just a two two to gain three life, and you're like block all of your creatures. You know, it literally just trades for all of them without something else going on. So I definitely think that you know, if this deck is super popular, you're going to see almost the death of the Lurus Burn deck, or it's going to be less in, unless they figure out a way to uh, kind of change this matchup in their favor or make it okay. Oh, yeah. And if you, if we'll, we kind of have come full circle. We went through like th this entire week, and if you look at all four tournament results, like kind of in order, you see it happen. Where, like, look at the rest of this top eight. It's a lot of Orzov Auras and Lurus Burn, like, just a lot of these Lurus decks. Mainly Lords of Warriors. There's one Lars Burn deck. Um, and, you know, they ultimately succumbed to these white decks. These Heliod decks. And then as we move on, you're going to see, like, even less of those Lurus decks. And you're going to see more of the Yorian decks. And then you're going to see the decks that preyed on the Yorian decks. And that's, you know, Inverter and Lotus Breach, which is what we had even before. So, I like, within the span of a week, we sort of had, had two significant steps in metagame development. But before we get off this first tournament, we got we got to talk about the sixth place list. Uh, looking at it right now, I love it. Yeah, Hodor time, baby. That's a good that's a good screen name too. Hodor time, baby. That Hodor is a great name. Yeah. And this is one of the sort of roguish Yorian decks. This is, a, I guess, an Enchantress deck, but it's really Doom Foretold Demonic Pact. Uh, and honestly, Doom Foretold Demonic Pact. That's just a fucking combo. Also, it's got one of my favorite uh, uncommons in this from the the last set. It's got uh, Elspeth's Nightmare. It's a card that was, like sh was quite a shiner in um, Limited, but just another card that's just good against a lot of the decks in the format. Like, it can kill an early creature, it duresses your opponent's hand, and then it exiles their graveyard, which is relevant against Luris and a lot of these other decks. So, yeah, this well, and it's... wow, yeah, but yeah, so... that's. Yeah, all the effects are actually good, and then you're bringing it back in this deck a bunch of different ways, or it's helped feeding your Doom Foretold. Blinking it with Yorian. Yeah, it's, you blink it with Yorian, exactly. Like, this is a cool... Like, if I had to play a cool Yorian deck, I think this one's got my vote for coolest one. Oh, yeah. This deck is sweet. Yeah. I this, mean... This, this is some dope shit. Yeah, this is this is the dopest also, shit. It's playing Flicker of Fate in the deck, by the way. Uh, super, super love this card. For people who don't know this card... This is a limited all-star, right? It's one and a white for an instant. Exile target creature or enchantment, then return to the battlefield under its owner's control. Obvious synergies with all the enchantments in the deck, right? And then it has a couple of creatures in Murderous Rider and Thraben Inspector, so blinking, you know, those could do some stuff. It doesn't just target your own, by the way. It definitely targets your opponent's stuff, too. So you can use this as, like, a fog effect, a semi-removal effect, you know, if they... Uh, 
you can blink their creature in response to them putting an aura on it. Yeah. They don't or get just, to attack this turn. blink their creature that has auras on it or, or whatever. Yeah. Like. So many cool little tricks. This is one of these cards that I love in Magic because, you know, like the typical decks that I play, like Delver decks or Tempo decks, where you have cards that do stuff like this, but then you find, like, what is it that you always say, uh, you use every piece of the buffalo? Yeah. Like, you find all the corner cases where it's good in other matchups and cool stuff, right? Like, it was back in the day, like, playing the the, the Flash deck, it's like, well, what mode do I use Azura's Charm for in this matchup? Or, you know, how do I use my Flicker of Fate in this matchup? You know, because against the aggro decks, you probably just want to stay alive as much as you can, flicker their stuff. And then against the decks that are playing mid-range, yeah, you just want to bury them in card advantage and value with this card. So this deck is, like, I think the sweetest one that I saw this week. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this deck is just heavily designed to beat up on creature decks. Yeah, you definitely see that with Trial of Ambition main, four of them. Another good thing to beat up on Loras decks. Very, very good against the Black-White Auras deck. Trial of Ambition, Birth of Miletus. I think it's Miletus. I was mispronouncing it earlier. I always thought there was a second I in there, but I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Oath of Kaya, Elspeth's Nightmare, Doom Foretold, Demonic Pact, like Fatal Push, Final Payment, Kaya's Wrath, and then more Kaya's Wraths and more Fatal Pushes in the sideboard, like... This deck wants to kill some creatures. Yeah. I would love to see how this matches up against the Mono White deck. Like, what kind of... You know what I mean? Because I would love to see if the enchantments make it against that kind of deck that actually has a decent bit of enchantment removal. Elspeth Conquers Death seems great against this deck, but maybe you have enough to outgrind them. I don't know. I, I don't have, I've never seen this matchup before. And then uh, if people are sideboarding a lot of barrier breaches to beat Orzavoras, this deck is going to be sad too. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Hey, by the way, called it on that card. I was gonna say that that card's gonna have a big effect in Pioneer. Just exiling three enchantments already. Already seen play. Yeah. What What did this deck lose to in the top eight? Hodor Time lost. They lost to Silvos, which I think is the Gruul deck. So kind of surprised that they would lose the Gruul deck. But you know, with Obosh, like that deck just can pretty consistently like kill you on turn four. Especially in matchups where they're not killing your mana creatures effectively. This deck only has, you know, a couple pushes to do that. So maybe they just got run over. But you're, you're looking at the 80-card deck. You're giving up a little bit yeah. of consistency in dealing with early stuff. Um, I, I, I imagine this person is disappointed being taken out of the tournament by a creature deck. Because this deck, it, I mean, it's designed to, to beat up on creatures. Uh, but really sweet deck. I've seen this deck before. Like, it, it pops up a little bit. Uh, and there's a, there's some cool Eorian decks. We'll get into some of the other ones, but definitely the only like super cool deck from this top eight. Otherwise, like you see a lot of the Orzavoras that everybody expected continue to do well, but the people that ended up at the top of the standings were people that came prepared and came prepared with a deck that is very good at doing that. Exactly. And talking about coming prepared and a very good deck, if you look at the second Pioneer Super Qualifier, uh, won by Terminal Justice, there was a lot of justice here with their win because they won with Lotus Breach. Right. And like you said, you think this is a very good time to be playing this deck and it's, it's positioned really well. I got to agree with you. If you just look at the results this week, it's hard to argue with that as well. I think the last week was a good time to be doing that. But when everybody sees these results and re reaches for those damping spheres, now you. It's like the talk that we had. It's like, um, I mean, I remember on a prior episode, we compared this to um, Dredge and Modern. You know, you just see your dredge pop up like once every four or five months and it wins a tournament and you're like, you go look through the deck list. Sorry if y'all can hear that on my mic. It is storming outside of my house. I don't know if you can hear this thunder that's shaking my house right now. Hopefully we don't get cut off halfway through. But it's like, you know, the modern decks where like 
it'll 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 pop up every four months it'll win a tournament and you'll look through the deck list and you're like dude no one was playing graveyard hate like no one had rested bees you know everyone had skimped on it you know, might have like one or two or whatever and they just outplayed it so if people aren't playing their damping spirits anymore which was at a criminal low amount the last time yeah, i mean look at look at these sideboards and the rest of the top eight i don't see a single damping spirit. Yeah, they forgot about dre oh here's one ross ross they forgot about dre Oh, the the fave which is deck had one yeah <laughs> to, to wish for I, i'm just saying they're gonna act like they ain't got none all right but underworld breach still a very messed up magic card it's still a banned card in a format yeah we do still see some wilts uh or we do see some not still but we see some wilts in their sideboards which i think is great yeah another card uh, you and i called cyborg card for them mm-hmm. huge upgrade i think it's i think you cannot overstate how much of an upgrade that card is for that deck yeah so uh, that also certainly helped, but really nothing out of the ordinary here. This is your normal Lotus Breach list that got tuned in the weeks after that, the Players Tour events. Uh, you know, get some wilts on the sideboard, configure the sideboard the way you want it because of Fae Wishes, but you do see, you know, you still see the Ors of Ors here. You see, you don't see any Lurus Burn in this top eight, but you also see multiple Yorian decks, you know, the White Blue Devotion here in fourth place, and they, I'm guessing they lost to the... Ooh, looks like they did not lose to uh, the winner. They actually lost to Orzov Auras. So uh, instead of losing to Lotus Breach, the, the Breach deck that won this tournament beat Orzov Auras in both the semis and the finals. Um, There's two ships passing in the night, honestly, when, these, yeah. when they play. And these Orzov Auras decks, if you look at their sideboards, not a lot of thought seizes. Two and zero. Yeah, not a lot of ways so to interact. So they're trying they to go not. Yeah, they did not come prepared to uh, interact with the Lotus Breach as well. Uh, and even the other, I guess this one has some Brain Maggots. I miss Bra- okay, there's two Brain Maggot and two Thoughtsies in one of them, but basically nothing in the finals in their sideboard. You know, Fragmentized doesn't do anything against Underworld Breach. Um, so definitely, like, this was the tournament where people got you know, caught by surprise. And... Uh, and Three, you know, I think it's three, yeah, three Lotus Breach decks in the top eight. So we've got our three Breach decks, our three Lurus decks, and our two Yorian decks. Yeah, and I got to say this before we move on. Like, you know, it does sound like a kind of boring top eight besides the Lotus Breaching. The seventh place list is actually really cool. This Yorian de- deck. I do think the other one's a little bit cooler, but I like this one a lot, especially if you like this kind of thing. Super Friends uh, actually finished in seventh here. 17 Planeswalkers, Ross. 17. It's a good number. This planeswalker could serve its country overseas in a war. That's all I'm saying. More, but three, three more on the sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> but we're looking at four to fairy hero. Of, I mean, three to fairy hero of Dominator, Four to fairy time raveler. Three narset. Another nar. One of the new narsets. The ancient way. A Jace architect. Architect of thought. Three Gideon the trials. One Elspeth Sun's champion. One Chandra awakened inferno. It's a Fae of wishes deck too. Because why not? You know, just throw that stuff in there. But we're looking at Fires of Invention. I really like that it's got the full Omen Oath package going on. Just all the enchantments that do cool shit and then get blinked by Yorian, right? Like you're looking at the Tension Sphere, Elspeth that Conquers Death, Fires of Invention, Oath of Chandra, Oath of Teferi, Omen of the Sea, and Search for Escanta. A card that I actually thought would like do a lot more in this format and just like hasn't really been there. But Yorian might be a kind of card that might make this a little bit more playable. It's another card that could, you know, accelerate you into a, an earlier Yorin, maybe make sure you get that fifth mana. It's an enchantment that does some cool stuff. You, you, you know, I know you don't get any value from blinking it, but it works with the rest of your deck. 
it's also really nice with fires, right? It just gives you some way to sink your mana into, find, keep finding gas. So I think that's the main synergy there. It's less Yorian and more search playing well with fires and, you know, help set up your draws, make sure you make your land drops in the first four turns. Uh, but I think this is a response to the other Yorian decks because I can't imagine they go bigger than what this deck is doing. No. You know? In terms of mid-range, like arms race is the term that we use, like this deck has the biggest guns and the most firepower. You know, you're casting six mana Planeswalkers. There's an inspired ultimatum to wish for in the sideboard. You know? There's a renewous ultimatum as well for like the real yeah, mid-range oh, fight. Yeah. You're like, you're in Blake, all this stuff, do all this stuff. They're like, um, hold my beer. <laughs> Kill <It's>, everything. Uh, <laughs> and it's gone. And it's, and it's gone. Yeah, lots of cool stuff in this sideboard, which, you know, Fae of Wishes decks, they always have the sweetest sideboards, right? You're looking at, like, Nicobolus Dragon God in the sideboard. It, like you mentioned, there's two ultimatums here. There's a Sarkin, the the Masterless, which, out of, like, this Jeskai control deck, right? You're like, oh, I've got time, I've got time. You're, like, bobbing and weaving. There's a bunch of Planeswalkers ability. You're like, maybe I can get back in this. And they're like, oh, just kill you. Just take 20 from my Planeswalkers or however much you need to do. You know, just all that cool stuff, so... I like this deck a lot. I think it's actually sweeter than I gave it credit for. Now that I'm like really, really looking through it. The the one thing I really like, I, I so I, I think the matchup against Alaris Burn is probably pretty suspect because it, like they can just run you over so easily. But you know your sweepers, verdict, uh, you know Clarion, but much more verdict are very good against Orzov Auras. So I think your Orzov Auras matchup is definitely tenable. Also, like Teferi and Gideon are solid as well. You know, you've got some oaths, you know, early. I think you have just enough to contend with them because they take a couple turns to set up, really. Um, whereas the the burn deck just kind of comes out uh, of the gates running. And it's the Luris burn deck that we've seen decline. It's more Ors of Auras when it comes to Luris at this point. Probably at least two to one, I would say, if not more, uh, in terms of representation. So I think you have enough to contend there, and you're probably favored in Yorian Mirrors, um, and, uh, you know, Narset and Gideon are reasonable uh, cards against Underworld Breach. Though you're you're definitely a little light there as well. Um, you know, uh, maybe you just want to have some more Damping Spheres so you can bring some in post-board. But, you, like, you know, you have Unmored Ego and Damping Sphere to wish for at least. Uh, this deck is definitely something that, that I think it can easily be overrated. You know, it gets helped out by Rogger and Triome, so the mana base gets better. That's That's a definite help. And something that's easy to overlook, especially in an 80 card deck. But you know, the, the this is not this is not just like a meme deck that you kind of scroll by and scroll past. Like this is a deck that can definitely beat you. Even has the lock possibility storm. <clears throat> yeah, so like lots of cool things going on in those two events. We're gonna move over to the pioneer challenges that happened this weekend. We're gonna, we're gonna see a theme kind of developing here this week, Ross. And you know, take what you will. Like you said, you're gonna have to kind of. If you want to be ahead of the metagame, you can definitely see what's going on here. So the next one, won by Rubber Ducky, was also a Lotus Breach deck. And just, again, <clears throat> I think it's well positioned. Like, there's not much we could say here. The numbers might be slightly different in a spot or two. Like, this one has an hour of revelation in the sideboard. You know, like, one or two little things here or there. Nothing really staring, glaring, standing out or anything, right? Yeah, no, this is, this is pretty typical. Like, they have the Niv-Mizzet Perrin in the sideboard. Some lists don't have that. I think they're playing Shimmer Possibility. That's kind of, that's novel in their flex spots. But, you know, there's a couple of flex spots you get to play with. And they're just playing, you know. Honestly, I kind of like this. Because I think, 
you know, just setting up your draws as, be- as well as possible is the most important thing. I guess they're playing it over Seder Wayfinder, which does, you know, find Lotus Field and Thespian Stage uh, with the same reliability. So they're saying, like, I don't care as much about aggro decks. So they're, you know, kind of ahead of that change. They're saying, I really need to beat Yorian decks. I'm probably going to need to be digging for other things, you know, interaction, what have you. Uh, you know, there's going to be less aggro decks, or I can just hope to race them, even without the 1-1 blocker. And the deck that ended up beating in the finals here, very interesting. It ended up beating blue-white control, just Azorius control, which generally think, hey, maybe this has a decent Lotus Breach matchup, you know, like being able to counterspell things that you're doing. Um, I will say Thought Distortion goes a long way in that matchup, and they do have two Thought Distortions in their sideboard. So generally, you know, you have to stop Fae of Wishes in the matchup. puts a lot of pressure on the blue-white player. They're like, they have to stop that card or whatever. But you're looking at a deck with a bunch of Gideon of the Trials to fit in a bunch of Teferis. But there's a couple of new cards in here as well from Korea that I'm excited about. Uh, Neutralize made it in, a card that we talked about, would I think actually is a card that you want in this yeah, deck. And, and it's not over-absorbed. They're playing four Absorb, two Neutralize. Six three-mana counterspells, which is... Quite a lot. And I, again, I think it's a nod to, you know, I'm expecting less aggro decks and I just want counter spells against Yorian decks. Uh, you know, the decks that are winning here towards the end of the week are definitely metagaming more for Yorian and less for Luris. You know, that said, they still have their four verdicts. They have Gideon of the Trials. They definitely have, you know, some good answers for these decks. Uh, but they're, you know, there's a clear shift. Did you see the other new card that made it into this list? The, the one of? The one of Shark Typhoon. Yeah, good old Sharknado. Made it in. There's a third Akoria card if you look in the sideboard. Oh, I hadn't gotten there yet. It does have a companion, doesn't it? Yeah. How do you pronounce this one? Kahira. Yeah, the, uh, you just don't have creatures in your deck. Exactly, so. yeah. So they're just playing it because it's a 3-2, Vidge. Yeah, whatever. Bring you know. it. Bring it you Got know. any Mutavolts in the mana base that it can pump? That might be cute. It's it's kind of cool. So there, there's games you can't have this as your companion, right? Does, uh, yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't count Sphinx. Which what yeah, Dream so Trawler you, is? You bring in Dream Trawler, you don't get Kahira. Yeah, exactly. Oh, big, big surprise! This is a deck that had Dampening Sphere, uh, Dampening, Damping Sphere in the sideboard as well. There's two Damping Sphere, so kind of a, a big testament to how good Lotus Breach is that it beats this deck in the top eight. Because you're looking at a deck that had three Sensor, four Absorb, a Dovin's Veto, two and two na- uh, Neutralize main. You know, and then two damping spheres, and then you got to believe, yeah, there's two mystical disputes in the sideboard. There's rest in peace. Yeah, they, they've got a, a pretty good sideboard where, like, I could see them bringing in 10 cards. And they can bring in gusts, damping spheres, narsets, disputes, and rest in pieces. You know, cut their Azorius charms, their verdicts, and their ECDs. You know, maybe you leave in a couple charms if you don't want the gusts, because gusts aren't great. Yeah, you probably just don't want that. Leave in a couple Azorius charms, sure. With, the, with this deck on the play, I'm trying to slam this companion on three in that matchup. Just get this thing in play and start attacking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually like this deck. I, I like blue-white do-nothing control, always have. Um, if this deck's playable in the format, sign me up. It's cute that it gets a companion, you know, without having 80 cards because it technically gets to take advantage of the every creature in your deck is a certain kind. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not playing any damn creatures, so <laughs> <laughs> they're all that kind, you know. But... It is just a testament to, I think, how good Lotus Breach was for this week. That yeah, it's still like, it, If you look at the rest of this top eight, you see a lot more damping spheres inside boards, but it was still won by Lotus Breach. Mm-hmm. And you're also seeing inverter decks in this one too, right? Decks that have 
counterspells plus disruption plus clock. You know, like the the kind of deck that can give Lotus Breach a problem. You know, you look at the decks that have thought seizes in them, along with you know counterspells and mystical disputes main and stuff like that. You know, that, that can be very good in that matchup. So, um, pretty big vote of confidence on that deck. Uh, you know, we saw a bunch more of the fifteen colored you know devotion decks uh like you know blue white yorian we're looking at the the another super yeah, friends another yorian super decks. friends if, uh, if you look at this top eight there's two there's two yorian yorian no three yorian decks and only one Luris deck so this is the first time where the that balance of power shifts uh and we see two then so there's those four and then two lotus breach decks the azorius control deck and the demir inverter deck uh so you didn't mention the eighth place list, which is well, it's that's one of the Orion decks. It's one of the Orion decks, but it's a different Orion deck that we've talked about yet. It is the Niv Mizzet Reborn Orion deck. Honestly, like if this doesn't show you the power of Orion, I can't see what will because it's so easy for this deck to play Gigantha. And you would look at re- and like read Gigantha and you're like, oh my god, like that's perfect for the deck. Like it's, it's another good five drop. It makes sure it gives me a million mana. I can kind of like use all of the mana effectively. I can use the body effectively. And they're still uh, opting to play Yorian instead. You know, they really want to get play their Hour of Devastation and Supreme Verdict and things like that because they're well positioned. So not willing to give those up. Instead, let's just play Yorian and make our five color mana base work with eighty cards. I'm like. Look, look at those mana base. Hold on, I was supposed look to say, it. my favorite part of this deck is the mana base. It's 29 different lands, Ross. It's got 29 different lands in it. That's more lands than most decks in the format play. Even the Azorius deck, you know, isn't playing 29 lands. And you're looking at 29 different lands in this deck. So, super cool. Lots of ways to make some consistency in this deck. You know, you've got four Bring to Light. There's some Traverse the Uvenwald in here. Um, Uro goes a long way, just making sure you can cast your shit. Um, I've got to believe you don't ever need to blink your Niv-Mizzet to win a game, but the, it's there. You can do that. That's a thing you can do in the matchups where you're just like, churn through everything. Play my Niv-Mizzet. Play it again. Like, I, I guess that's a thing. This deck isn't blinking a whole lot else, right? We've got an Actress, a Knight of Autumn. Blinking Uro isn't great, but sometimes you might do it. you got some Oath of Kaya's. That's a nice one. And a few Planeswalkers. Like, it's not leaning as hard into Yorian. Uh, so you're not even getting the same payoff that other decks are doing, but they're still opting to go this route rather than the Gigantha route, and it worked out, you know? Yeah, solid finish. Um, I gotta believe this isn't... If you're trying to be as competitive as possible, this is not the Yorian deck to play. I think this deck's cool. Yeah, and, and still, the signs continue to pile up about being metagamed for Yorian decks as opposed to Luris decks. Like, you see a card like Brokos or so like these cards that are good in longer games and the anti-aggro cards, Tulsimir Friend of Wolves and Blood Baron of Escopa are both in the sideboard. Can I point out one more thing real quick on this on this deck list? So um you know how we did our, our top eight cards for Pioneer. You did not have the uh the Triome lands, right? On your list. And I did. This has all five in here. It has one of each, so I think I win. Because now all of them have made a top eight within the first week and a half. <laughs> just just for my own hey, like my own like little I'm brushing my shoulders off a little bit here so you should see the look ross is giving me right now i'm sure everyone at home can imagine it especially if you've ever watched him stream but anyway uh deck's pretty cool uh like you said lots of cool stuff in the sideboard so you know uh, there's an extinction event in here too another card that um i think that card is 
very underplayed right now and very and good really good yeah yeah okay i think it's good in a host of different matchups being an instant is great um it is it is a card it's, i would play a in a lot of different decks almost any deck that can cast like sultai or uh, you know that pile it, it i would play it into mirror inverter i think it, you're less concerned with the inverter mirror right now so i don't think you have to go ham on heroes downfalls and the lists that you're you saw in this last week are only playing like one or two instead of three so I love that there's just a bunch of one-ofs and two-ofs in the sideboard of the 80-card decks. And stuff like that. So when you sideboard, I, you know what I want you to do? I want you to do like do a stream of one of these decks once. And whenever you sideboard, you're going to be like, all right, I'm bringing in this card. But before I realize what it is, I want you to somehow mix your deck up and like randomly select a card to take out. And then you'd be like, I need to take out three random cards. You just like, click on your screen three times with your, with your hand over your eyes. And you, just <laughs> add, you, you get to add your three cards after that. I think that would be hilarious and great. We're playing four Bring the Light, two Traverse. We can add some toolbox. I guess you could kind of move those over and be like, hey, look, I, I don't get to take out Bring the Light, Traverse, or niv Mizzet or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the the, the four sure. outs in the yeah. deck. Or, yeah. or lands. <laughs> no, no, screw it. You get the lands boarded out too. Like there's 29 <laughs> of them. I mean, sorry, there's 34 of them. You're boarding. It's an 80-card deck. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But uh, maybe there's not 29 different lands, but there's a bunch of different lands. Anyway. Um, really cool stuff going on in that one. Let's talk about that last Pioneer Challenge. Uh, Ross, can you tell me what deck won the other Pioneer Challenge? That would be Lotus Breach. Yeah, yet again. So This time in the hands of Caleb Shearer. He's also playing the Shimmer of Possibilities, so that seems to have become sort of the new stock. You know, don't play Sator Wayfinder, play Shimmer. Uh, there's another list here in fourth place that's playing three Shimmers, trimmed down to one blink of an eye. So, like, those are the four flex spots, really, in the deck. And they're... And, you know, they're shimmering. But I think the the big story here is at the end of the week, when the when the beginning of the week was all about Ors of Ors, and the middle of the week is all about Yorian, and then the return of Lotus Breach, the end of the week doesn't have a single Yorian deck a, or a single Auras deck. Both Luris decks in this top eight are Luris Burn. Because Eidolon of the Great Revel is one of the best main deckable hate cards against Lotus Breach. Yeah, they also have Ash Zealot in their list, a card that I told you I'm a big fan of in this yeah, format. Very good against Luris, very good against Lotus Breach. And, you know, yeah, the seventh place, this is the person that won the uh, Lala Uba, won a uh, qualifier with this burn deck, was kind of put this deck on the map, was that first place finish. And they did not have main deck Ash Zealot in that list. So. That's a new thing, very clearly now respecting Lotus Breach. So this is these were literally four tournaments on four consecutive days, and you can see people metagaming against the previous day every single new day. I think it's pretty awesome, right? Like I probably I actually kind of meant to do it and forgot to do it on the show today. I was going to say what date these were because we went in like order, right? You know, like the first one was the first tournament that got played this week. Down to this was the fourth tournament that got played this week. And you can see a metagame develop and people react to it. And I think that's the coolest thing that came out this week is we actually saw results and we saw the results matter. You know, we saw people really put their thinking cap on and be like, this is the best deck, but this is what everybody else is playing as well. So I want to have a deck that's good against that and good against that other thing, you know? And you see these people get rewarded for it, which is awesome too. Because you know, Caleb always plays like the same decks, but he makes those little choices, that matter right you see him change his deck into the shimmer of possibility you know like you know he's putting in the time and effort in the matchups to understand it and you see him get rewarded here with a big win and that's nice also if you're a fan of caleb's or a fan of this deck go back and watch the vods on his streams i'm sure he was streaming this the guy streams like crazy so you can watch lotus breach see how he sideboards see how the matchups go 
Because the thing is... That deck is really hard. I think it's really, really difficult. And if you're not used to playing... Because here's the thing. He always plays decks like this, right? Of the same vein, like Storm, something like that. He is very, very adept. Not just at what his deck does, right? Like he gets through the combo quickly. He knows... It's like... It's like the back of his hand, right? Like, he, he just goes through it blindfolded. He understands how to play through the hate. And that's what matters. Like, that's what separates good combo players from okay combo players, right? That's the real great ones. It's like, they know what their opponent's range is on how they're going to hate them out. And how they can either change their matchup through sideboarding or how they play around it. You know, what they can afford to play around. You know, et cetera. Oh, yeah. And that is, you know, that's a difficult, that's a skill that you have to build. It's not something that you can just like apply a heuristic to and be okay uh, because it is very contextual. So um, I guess I I lied in saying that there were no Yorian decks. There is a Yorian deck in this topic, but it's not Heliod. So there's no Heliod, but there's another one of the sort of unique Yorian decks. We saw, we've seen Yorian. So I said there were uh, nine Yorian decks across these four top eights. We saw two of the Super Friends. We saw the Enchantress, like Orzov, Doom Foretold. We saw the um, uh, Niv-Mizzet, and now we're seeing this one. So really only four of the Yorian Heliod decks, because people are really exploring this card, and they can go into a lot of shells. This is Bant Yorian that I believe is from Andrea Mangucci originally. And I th this was his updated list that he tweeted out. Um, you know, I don't know if this is like a secret Andrea account or somebody just saw the tweet and ran with it. I actually played this deck in a recent... Um, uh, preliminary, uh, an older version of it, but very similar list. I think the main deck is exactly the same. Um, one of the issues I had with it was trying to stream it and win any match in time. time yeah. Because, the, yeah, the games take forever. So it was probably not best for me to play my first games with the deck on stream. Uh, but, you know, you can obviously see that this deck, obviously see that this deck is trying to take Yorian to the max. You know, Nissa, Vastwood, Seer, uh, you know, Elspeth Conqueror's Death, all these different enchantments, Omen of the Sea, you know, Teferi's of both stripes, Thraben Inspector, Seder Wayfinder to go with your Uros. So it's got that aspect that Sultai had, but you're playing this enchantment-based removal in white and these Teferi's to make your Yorians better. You also have a lot of good early blockers, you know, against creature decks. You're playing four Supreme Verdict against those decks, which is also, and Verdict also pretty good against Mono White. Uh, I actually think this deck stands up reasonably well against Mono White. Um... But it, it is certainly, you know, rough against Lotus Breach. Because you're just not clocking them that well unless you get a really quick Uro. You've got these removal spells in your main deck that are all sorcery speed and not very good. Uh, I think this is definitely a prime candidate to get some damping spheres in the sideboard. Uh, uh, but other than that, this deck is... I mean... I know that, like, Niv-Mizzet can go, like, really way over the top, and the Planeswalker decks can go, like, really way over the top, but this deck is so relentless in the amount of card advantage it generates. Like, just utterly, you know, it's the Energizer Bunny of decks, because every card you draw seems to generate a new card. Opt, new card. Omen of the Sea, new card. Growth Spiral, new card. Elspeth takes a card. Baffling End and Detention Sphere takes a card. Teferi draws cards. Teferi draws cards. Corsair draws cards. Nissa draws cards. Wayfinder draws cards. The Raven Inspector draws cards. Uro draws cards. The only card that doesn't take something from there, and Supreme Verdict, you know, can kill multiple cards. So every single card in this deck is like either drawing a card while creating a body, drawing multiple cards, you know, replacing itself, or dealing with cards from the opponent's side of the battlefield. So 
You're not really spinning your wheels much at all. Your Yorians are incredible with this deck. You're just blinking like four permanents all the time. Just after you cast Yorian, if you untap, you just like look down and you're like, I don't even know what to do. I have too many things. You just have too many insane flavors in your mouth, Tannen. I, I'm never going to complain about that, by the way. <laughs> it is. Uh, so uh, if you're looking for a sweet Yorian deck and like the Heliod deck kind of doesn't really ring your bell, uh, I think this is the one that I would recommend. Um, I, I think it's, it's quite strong, um, especially if people move back move away from the Auras deck and more towards Lurus Burn because of the reemergence of Lotus Breach. Uh, I think this deck is quite good against Lurus Burn. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, that'll help you. You definitely got to work on the Lotus Breach matchup. But, you know, slap some Damping Spheres, you'll win enough, I think. Because, like, it, there's no way Breach is going to end up being, like, super popular. Because there's, a, there's enough people out there that just say, I don't want to play a combo deck. So like it's never going to be like forty percent of the metagame, right? When you said slap some some damping spheres in there, I'm just thinking of the meme where the guy like slaps <laughs> the hood of the car. He fits yeah. so many damping spheres in here. You know, yeah. you're an eighty card deck. You got so much room. You got so much room. Yeah, you know? all your sideboard cards are main anyway. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got room for a four up. Let's go. You know, like kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I gotta say it's interesting the way the format you know went this weekend and. Overall, you know, we, we kind of said this and talked about it. I think it's pretty cool to be able to look at the results and, and see it tell a story. What just got you excited? Ross just got super excited. Oh, that okay. They're, I was like, why do they have a Coax from the Blind Eternities in this deck? And, and then I remember, like, some Inverter decks were doing this to beat people who were playing, uh, like, Unmoored Ego effects, right? So they can board out one of their Inverters and, and do that. I thought they were doing something cool with it at first. I got excited, and then they're not. Oh, you got, you got disappointed? Uh, yeah. One of the only other decks we saw show up a little bit this weekend was, uh, you know, you mentioned it for like half a second, was the the Gruul deck, the Obosh Gruul deck, like showed yeah. up a little bit. It seems like it's still cool. I like it. I like the look of it. I'm surprised you haven't streamed with it because I know you're a Gruul fanatic. But I I played it once on Versus Live and it did not go very well. The deck is kind of finicky. It like really needs a mana creature on turn one. And it doesn't mulligan nearly as well as other uh, companion decks. It's just, I don't know. I, th- I think it's significantly worse than the other aggro decks. I got you. So, you know, we we were just talking about how it was really cool to see these results over these four tournaments over the span of, I think it was like five or six days. And we got to watch a story unfold, and like the metagame kind of unfold. I'm doing that right now. I'm going through that right now with the shell. I think I just hit the wall. Like the energy is just like, I don't know if you've noticed, my energy level has definitely gone down. I'm like yawning and stuff a little bit. I had I was so pumped and the, so the ready. The caffeine is wearing low, Tannen. Get another get another half a can in you. Yeah, where's that V8? Where did that? We, we, yeah. we were joking about this. I should get sponsored by them or like like one of the 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 meal services, like Green Chef or whatever. I was like, I have like more Twitter followers than like some of these companies, and I'm like, look, man, just just you don't have to, like, it probably doesn't cost you much to just ship me a, a a thing every month. You know, like a little crate that has you know uh, you know. They're, they come in a six pack you send me five of them a month it's not hard to do you know probably won't cost you very much I'll talk about it all the time I'll post it on some stuff if one other person buys it because of that because you know one person listening to the show is going to be like Google V8 Energy what is this thing oh this looks pretty cool and the, the weird yeah. part is sometimes when I'm in my meetings, like I'm holding it up to Ross right now. You you can't see the, like, you don't see the, this part, this is V8. You just see the, this part. It just looks like a Red Bull. So like, 
I used to always drink it is these. that same style of can. Yeah, I drink them while I'm on Zoom meetings. And one of the guys is like, man, you just mainline that Red Bull, huh? And I'm like, oh, this is, this is actually a V8. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm having my my fruits and vegetables because it's so hard to get those right now. Because <laughs> I'm old and that's what we do. Yeah, because I'm old and I don't like the tomato-based. Actually, a recycled can that I filled with prune juice. <laughs> it's funny. I actually recycle these. I put water in them, let them drain out, and put them in recycling. But we don't have recycling in my neighborhood. I have to bring them to my in-law's house to recycle. But we, we have a separate trash can in the house for recycling. And like once a week, either they come here, you know, they came here for, they, they were here today for lunch. So we just gave it to them. Otherwise, you know, when we go over there, I bring it and I just dump it in there recycling. Doing my part, Ross. I'm doing my part. And uh, speaking of that real quick, let me go on another soapbox at home. Do your part. Stay at home. Like I get it. Some of these states are going to be like soft opening. I guess that's a, a phrase we can use or partially opening. I think Georgia already has. I think Texas, Tennessee might have. Or Texas is, is about to do some stuff. Like North Pisa. Dakota is opening up Friday. Apparently, that's what Corey told me. Here's the like, thing: What the hell are y'all doing? What are yeah exactly? What are you doing? Like I saw, I was watching a, a clip from like one of these protests, and like these people are deranged. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's 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 scary, right? Yeah, like it, it is really like I I have a friend, right, and. Um, it's surprising. I have a friend. I'm just saying I have, I have a friend that he's, he's on the front lines, right? You know, whatever you want to call it. And he, he works humble brag from Canon. He has a friend. Shut up. <laughs> he works in the ER. All right. And he's, and he's talking to me about it. And he's like, just please tell everybody, you know, like, just, just stay home. If, if not for them, do it for us. And that's the big part. It's like, just don't be selfish. Like just protect the people around you because he's talking about it. And he's like, do you know people I've watched die? from this and he's like it's not a small number and he's like it's never pretty it's always ugly because they die alone no one can go in to see them you know like and yeah this isn't something we normally talk about on this podcast right and this is not pretty this is not cute this is not a, a flowery topic and you know what screw you if you have a problem with it i don't care this is a big deal right now do your part help them they're just trying to help us listen to people who believe in science and that like actually listen to scientists you know, listen to people who are smart and understand what's going on. Like, the the market will be there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not worth your life. Like, I, I, I don't care if you disagree with me. I don't. Yeah. No, things are going to get bad, yes. but it's not worth dying for. It's really not. Like, like it. The, the people who are going to die are the ones who, like, don't reap the benefits from the market either. Like... They're, they're literally, like, using your lives to... to I'm, I'm not going to go down this road. That's going to take too much. And I know you're loving it. I know you're loving every minute of this. <laughs> I know, like, I just became, like, a, a better friend in your eyes or whatever. I think, like, my, whatever. I think my heart just skipped a beat. Yeah, I know. Like, but it just, like... You know, I'm not the same as you when it comes to this stuff, right? Like, I'm not as full-blown whatever. Like, we're not going to, you know, use certain words and certain titles here. But... You know, I have friends that are, are doctors, like that are MDs, and they, they talk to me about the stuff, and they're like, it's not a fucking joke. Like, it, it's not. Like, everything, you know, they, they tell you, like, oh, it's not as bad as they say. They're like, it is. And, like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Like, I mean, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're listening right now and you disagree with us, that's fine. Like, I, I welcome it, and you're allowed to have that thought, just like I'm allowed to have my opinion, right? I hope I'm wrong. I hope you get to make fun of me. I hope you get to say, I told you so, right? That somehow you were right and we're overreacting. But here's the thing. If it does get better, if stuff works, right? That means that what we did was working. That social distancing did help. 
that we did do something right, most likely. There's almost no... I can't grasp a world where we were like, yeah, none of this was actually real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm honestly not even nearly as charitable as you are. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm like, way nicer. You're, you're not allowed to have those opinions. If that is your opinion, then, like, I, I just don't give a shit about you. And I would, you know, you should still stay at home. Like, I don't give a fuck about your opinions because you not staying at home endangers other people. And you're, you don't get to do that. That's not what individual liberty is about. Even if you, like, you know, espouse that as the, you know, uh, absolute ideal of modern society, which I don't, then, uh, at least in, in that the sense that they mean it, like, you, uh, you know, you are endangering the lives of other people. You're infringing on their liberty by doing so. And that's where your liberty ends, at, you know. Absolutely. So just stay the fuck at home. And the other, the other big thing of it is, is this, is you, you want to get back out there. I, I get it. I do too. You know, the easiest way for us to do that, do what they say. Cause we'll, we'll help flatten the curve. We'll, we'll, we'll help, you know, possibly start opening things up a little bit at some point. Right. You know, when it gets a little bit better, you know, and they're like, Hey, like it's, it's okay. We can start rolling out some of the stuff. Right. But that only happens in a good way. If we do our part. Right. And if they, things are opening back up in Wuhan, yeah, like if that's what you want, then do what you're supposed to do. It's just like it's a small fraction of your life. Like I get it, it sucks, but like just just do what they say. It's it's not hard. It's the right thing to do. I mean, I feel like we're harping on this like quite a bit, but it's such a big it's such a big thing. You know, this this is like one of the defining moments of our lives. Yeah, no, in, in like 20 years, we're going to have to be telling like 15-year-olds what it was like. Be like, yo, you don't even remember. You don't. Even, you weren't even there. We were, my wife and I had a conversation about this the other day. Like, I was like, can you imagine when we have this conversation with our kids about quarantine? Especially if like our kid came out of the court. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, because we're going to start trying soon. And if like we're still in quarantine, we're like, yeah, you're a quarantine baby. You know, like they How joke. How many bottles of champagne do you have? Did you say you had 10? How many what? How many bottles of champagne did you say you <laughs> three, had? Like three or four. It's like, we're, am I about to become Brendan DiGandio? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> So tomorrow is April 29th. Yeah, what's nine months to April 29th? Uh, so do uh, end of January, yeah, eh? April, January, <laughs> baby. But, um, you know, because, like, there, there's, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, there's going to be a baby boon, you know, from this. And, like, I'm not sure if that's a thing. We'll see. Um, There might be. You know, there might be the generation. They might even call it that, like, the quarantine, you know, baby boon or whatever. So uh, it, it's, it's one of those things you don't always see it in the moment, right? Like, you understood the gravity of 9-11, like, when it was happening, right? I lived through Katrina and like it doesn't hit you until after, right? Like you hear people talk about it, like you hear like how much money like the damages were, how many lives were lost, like the overall like we still feel effects from that, by the way. People don't talk about that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, you're not you have, they haven't fully recovered. No, no they're fully like even just the little things, like do you know how bad traffic has been in Baton Rouge since then? I know that's a weird thing to think about, but like our population doubled overnight. Our interstate, like our our transportation system still hasn't caught up. And it will never. Just because like it's going to keep expanding. It's going to keep getting more people, you know? And just like little things like that, like, you know, uh, there's still buildings down there and whole areas that are pretty gross and messed up still. And for something like that, and like, this is going to have long lasting effects of our entire lives. You know, that kind of stuff. So... Again, just stay home. Like, do your part. Go to the grocery store. Go home. Stay away from each other. Wear a mask. Don't touch anything that's not yours. Don't touch anyone else. Right? 
uh, you know, hearing these crazy stories, people like running up to other people and, you know, ripping their mask off and stuff. I will knock you out. Like I am not a violent person. I do not adhere violence. I will lay you out. <laughs> like there was somebody at one of these protests that was like running around yelling at people to cough in his face. It's like, and then laughing when they wouldn't do it. Yeah, these people are too scared to cough in my face. Even when I ask them, I'm like, even if we weren't, even if this wasn't happening, if you were just on the street running up to someone and asking them to cough in your face, they would run away from you, and rightfully so. So, like, even outside of this context, that's a ridiculous thing to do. The first thing that pops in my head when that goes on is, like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's your damage? You know, like, kind of stuff. So, um, let's, I, I guess we can, you know, like, move on. We can talk about something else. Uh, sorry for the, the amount of soapboxes in this episode, but I'm really not sorry. Oh, no. I love it. This is my favorite episode ever. Yeah. And we've got some mailback questions, and this mailback question is going to get us onto a great story. Uh, is this, is this what I think yet? it is? Yeah. Let, let's, do the, let's do the second one first, because sure. I want to have the story last. Sure. And these are both good questions. Uh, but we've got from uh, Cody Absent Battle Priest, what is your choice for a card in Pioneer that is just waiting to be great? So, like, you know, the context isn't there yet, but it, it will eventually get there. Huh. I was going to say, um... I have a pretty clear answer for this. One. For for me, it was like I, I've got to say, if if you look at the entirety of Pioneer, is, is collected company, right? Is a card that like we talked about the first show. Is that would be format defining? I thought it would be just amazing. It's just even the decks that it was in, I was like, do you really need to have collected company in this deck? Kind of. Yeah, thing. like some people cut it. You know, Zansai had won a PTQ playing Azoria Spirits instead of Bant, and that's really the most successful place we've seen company in, right? And it kind of the only. You know, successful over any long term, and like you know, band spirits was fine, but it wasn't anything special. Did you have a specific answer? Yeah, mine is uh, another card I talked about uh, is one of my first cards that was going to be banned when we first opened the show, and that's Mox Amber. Uh, you know, now we've got Kinnon, which is a really good card with Mox Amber. We've got Emery. Uh, you know, there's some tools here. It doesn't seem like there's enough, or they're being overshadowed by you know companions or what have you. But you know, eventually. We're going to get, like, the straw that breaks the camel's back with Mox Amber. So I don't know how long it's going to take based on the way they're printing cards these days. You know, next set will be right there. I was actually just thinking that when you were talking about it. I was like, we're going to get there. Like, it's almost yeah. an inevitability that that card at some point in time is going to be too good. Yeah. Uh, so definitely my, my answer would be Mox Amber. And then from our lovely editor, Brent, what was the craziest rules-related argument you had? And I responded in the channel about you having a good story about this. And I was there. So is 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 this the one uh, with my lands opponent? Because there's there's two for me here. The 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 one with the with the ley line, right? Where the the where the your opponent tried to back up. Oh like, okay so there's there's the, a couple good ones here. The pregame yeah. action. So um was this the first time we teamed together? I don't think so. But it might have been. Anyway, uh, Ross, Brendan and I are playing at a team tournament. And I'm playing Legacy, of course. And uh, I believe it's round one. I do actually believe this is round one of the day. And so uh, my opponent mulligans uh, down to six cards or whatever. And uh, I have kept my seven. And I have won the roll. Yeah, so I'm, I think this is round one of day two. Yeah, I, I think it was round one of... I think it's actually round one of day one. Because I think this is where uh, you played against Affinity. And he just, like, played the entire match for the guy. And then whenever he wouldn't play the match, like, the other guy would, like, mess up. So, like, we were like, oh, we see why he was, like, playing the whole match or whatever. He's like, his <laughs> sure. buddy was just, yeah. they got a modern player. He's like, here, play my deck. And, like, you know, put the guy, like, set the guy up to fail or whatever. But anyway, um, so 
Uh, I keep seven. The guy, I think the guy mulligans to like six or whatever. And um, anyone who's ever played me uh, knows that before the game starts, I always actually ask my opponent, I'm like, hey, are we good to go? Like, are we good to start? And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, we're good. And so I won the roll. So I put a fetch land into play, put the fetch land into my graveyard, mark my life total as 19. All this is important. Pick up my deck, put a tropical island into play, tap my tropical island, and put a death right shaman into play. And I'm like, I'm done. And say, so go. My opponent goes, that's a good card. Literally responds to my DRS being in play and says, that card is good. Right? And then goes, oh, wait, hold on. I have a pregame effect. And tries to put a ley line, or sorry, tries to uh, reveal a chancellor of the NX. That's what it was, because he was reanimator. So he realized, I just lost on turn one because there's a DRS in play and a green source against my reanimator deck. But he's like trying to do this. The best part is obviously he calls over a judge. And so he, like, explains the thing to the judge, and he's like, uh, yeah, when am I supposed to reveal this? And they're like, Bef before the game starts. And he's like, like, after I mulligan? He's like, well, well, yeah, it needs to be in the opening hand that you keep, or whatever. And so he's like, okay, um, I disagree with this. And they're like, well, and he goes, uh, my, you know, my opponent went too fast for me to do this, or whatever. And uh, I was like, what? Like, you had, like, like, we went through four different phases of my turn, like, I even picked up my pin and, like, changed my life total. So this is just, like, absurd, obviously, the whole thing. And um, he just clearly forgot his chancellor and was trying to get it. Yeah. So he just forgot his chancellor, tried to get it. It's like, I guess, suck it up. You know, like you, you messed up. You know, it's like one of those things like I, I, I felt some sympathy for the man, you know, just like played too fast. It was, it's the first, I think it was the first round of the day. We were like chatty and like maybe they got distracted or whatever. But one of those things, um, I was going to say, I have a couple a couple of answers to this real quick. I was going to say, like, when you said there were multiples, I started thinking back, and then I remembered the actual, mo the even more ridiculous one, and it's the crop rotation guy. Yeah, the crop rotation one was weird, where, because, like, all of these have a moment where, like, I, I have to say something about my opponent, I don't like saying that, but, like, so there was there was a, a tournament where, again, we're, we're, we're playing a team tournament, I'm, I'm in Legacy, and I have a judge call on turn four or five of game one in, in my Legacy match, and Ross and Brennan finish their match before my judge call is resolved. Because technically my judge call never got resolved, by the way. <laughs> because at the end of it, I was just like, I don't even care anymore. They won the match. I want to be done. But the problem was, is during a combat step or whatever, uh, my opponent cast a crop rotation when I believed that they didn't have green mana in their mana pool. And he's like, yeah, I had a green mana floating. And I'm like, well, like where did that come from? And they're like, from this tranquil thicket that's tapped. And I'm like, you played that on your turn. And it's a land that comes into play tapped. So like, you don't have green mana. Um, I can't recreate the exact thing, but this allowed them to crop rotation into Thespian stage into making a 2020. I've yeah, played like against the, lands. The extra mana was critical based on how you yeah. played it. And it, it, they're like, yeah, I cast this crop rotation with a green mana floating. And you just kept asking them like, why would you float a green mana? Because there's no reason to like, you know, yes. awkwardly sequence that way. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, because I did. Yeah, and that's... Like, I just never had an answer. So, like, that's the biggest part of all of it, right? Like, I remember I would not have made the play that I did had he been able to make a 20-20 in the game. I have lost to Jody Keith enough playing lands to know what that deck can do. And I was like, oh, I've just got him dead. Like, I, I do this attack, and the next turn I can burn him out with lightning bolts. No matter... Even if he, like, tabernacles me or whatever, right? Yeah. And so... And he's like, makes a 20-20. I'm like, what the, what the hell? Like, where did this come from? And the biggest problem was every time I asked the guy, I'm like, yeah, why Why did you do this the way that you did? And he kept saying, I don't know. And he's like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't have a reason. And I'm like, well, then if you don't have a reason, then you didn't make this play. You know what I mean? Like, then you consciously did not actually do this. And it was funny that the first judge actually ended up siding with him. And they were going to side with him 
and then y'all won the match. I was like, all right, whatever, I'm done. But I was at the point where like, I almost didn't believe myself at some point because he was so adamant that he was just like, yeah, I did this right. And I'm like, like, okay, maybe I messed up, you know, at some point. But then when he kept, he couldn't answer the question, I got kind of mad because I'm like, I feel like they're trying to pull one over on me that they messed up and they're like trying to get away with it now. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like, that's when I started like, I get, the head judge got involved. I pulled him to the side. I'm like, look, this feels wrong to me. Like this feels like something's going on, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's that one. And do you know the, 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 the brainstorm story as well in the top eight of a, of an open? Was I your teammate? No, this, this is when I played with, uh, when I played with Harlan and the daddy and Kevin Jones. Okay. I, I don't think I've heard this one. So, um, I'm playing against a, a person. They're playing sneak and show. It's, it's actually a rematch of the match where I had my, uh, best of SEG moment where the guy kills all my permanents at Emrakul and I kill him like 15 turns later at like one life or whatever. So we're playing again in the top eight of this open and my opponent casts a brainstorm, like puts it and I'm like, that resolves, right? So he picks up three cards and he's like showing his uh, modern players like, hey, what do you think? So he has his hand of like five cards, his hand of like three cards and they're kind of next to each other. And he's like, what do you think? Or whatever. So I look over at Harlan. I'm like, hey, what's going on in your match? Harlan's like, oh, I got this. It's easy. Like I'm going to do this, this turn and then this and this next turn and it's over. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like looking at his hand. And it's funny because I actually hear this with my horrible hearing. The guy goes, yeah, I'm going to shuffle. And I look back and he's just shuffling the three cards into his deck. And I go, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? I just point to the brainstorm that's in the middle of the table. You know, because it's legacy. We each have like a land or two in play and there's just, you know, this, the spell or whatever. And he just goes, oh my God. Like he just freaks out. And he looks at his body in modern. And he's like, I think I just lost this, the match or whatever. I'm like, dude, you know, chill out. Like you're not going to even get a game loss for this. I don't think if we can repair this. So we call over the head judge. And we're like, uh, A, B, and C happened. You know, we told him the story. And he just looks at us and he goes, all right. <laughs> and I just like <laughs> look at him and I'm like, so what happened? And he goes, I'm not sure. And by the way, I lo- I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. This judge is amazing, by the way. I talk to him about this all the time. So he goes, I have an idea of how to fix this, but this is how we're going to handle it. He goes, I'm going to go get another head judge. Because, you know, there's multiple tournaments going on. He goes, I'm going to go get another head judge. We're going to have a discussion. And try to figure out what to do here. While we're doing that, I would like it if y'all had a discussion of what you think a good fix is here. And then we're all going to talk about that when I come back. It was like the, uh, the the SNL thing, you know, talk amongst yourselves, discuss, you know, like, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? So he comes back and they start talking. I'm like, so wait, we're supposed to figure this out? And he goes, yeah, there's no fix in the rule book for this because it just like is such an egregious, crazy thing that happens, right? So... The fix, and he's like, I'm going to tell y'all what I what we think you should do, and if y'all have a better idea, we will go with that. So the fix was, since the cards are randomly in his deck and there's no way to you know, tell what the brainstorm was, the card has to try to do as much as it possibly can, right? And within the spirit of the game, you want to actually like have brainstorm resolve, but you can't just shuffle the three cards away and then put two cards from his hand on top of his deck, because that's like, that's just like he's... That's just too much. Yeah, right? it's like brainstorming against a narcissist. Yeah, it's it's just too much, right? So the ruling is my opponent's deck with the three cards shuffled in is presented to me. I get to look through it, get three cards, give it to him. They are added to his hand, and then he then resolves brainstorm. So I look at the guy, and I'm like, if you've ever played a top eight, you get their list beforehand, right? So I, I And he's playing Sneak and Show, so it's like pretty stock, right? And I look at, I look at the judge. I'm like, how long do I have to figure out what three cards to give him? And he's like, you have to do it in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm like, hey Harlan, start counting with me. So we pick up his deck and just start going through it as quickly as possible. And I'm like, 
you know, how many Gristle brands do you see? How many Embercoles do you see? Right? Yeah. One, one of you count sneaks and yeah. shows. The yeah. other one you count Gristle brands and Embercoles. Right. And so <laughs> there, was, there was one Gristle brand missing. So I just immediately grabbed the other three and I'm like, here you go. <laughs> you get four gristle brands, figure it out. Right? And this sounds like a good thing. I got destroyed <laughs> in this game. Like I lost this game very easily. Or whatever. Like he was looking for lands and like found lands or whatever, you know, like didn't matter what the other cards were or whatever, or something, you know, or, or I don't remember how it worked out. But I just remember those being like some of the most ridiculous judge calls that ever happened. One more, I did appeal a time extension once. From a judge. That was a that was a strange one. And we had a 10-minute discussion between the judge, me, my opponent, and the head judge on how long we should have gotten for uh, an extension. So, do you have a... Sorry, I kind of took over this question. Do you have any good ones? Oh, that's great. I've, I've been trying to think of them. And, like, I don't have any, like, crazy arguments I've gotten into. I've gotten into a lot of respectful arguments with judges because I don't like the way some of the rules are implemented. You know, like, you know, I remember the first time I I learned what out-of-order sequencing was, and I was like, so my opponent just gets to not know how to play their cards, but yeah. as long as they, like, tell me how they want them to work and how, if there's a sequence available that lets them work, that I, we assume that that's what's happening. Yeah, the, the best outcome like, is assumed. I do think that it's a good rule to have in place to protect people from themselves, where, like, mechanically you do something out of order when you're trying to do it correctly. You know what I mean? Like there's a give and take there. I think that kind of stuff is fine at regular REL. I think once we get into competitive REL, then you should know the mechanics of the game and how to play them. Like I had an opponent, you know, at the end, this was a close game three playing for top eight of a classic. And they went, uh, like I made an attack and they, uh, and there we went to blocks. My opponent starts assigning, like puts a creature in front. There was some sort of declaration that like, uh, uh, they, they said like block here and then went and flashed in a snapcaster mage to block something else yeah and i was like we're already in blocks they got to block you know i won the game anyway but like that kind of thing just irks me uh and like you know uh um some of the like the deckless stuff but it's like always me just being like i don't think the rules should happen this way but I'm, i never like you know flip out on anybody about it yeah um respond to both of those um I'm kind of against letting them cast the Snapcaster rules-wise. I'm like, you know, we're, hey, they should know that the creature has to be there before the declare blocker stuff for them to be able to, you know, you can't block and do stuff. It kind of goes into the, was information garnered? You know, the, the, you know, the new backup rule. Yeah. If no information is garnered, you can back up. And you can and, argue. And there wasn't really in that instance. You can but. argue both sides, right? Like, he didn't gain any information. You're like, well, they might have. You, you know, like, there's definitely some stuff they could have figured out. If I had mana up, you know, like, blah, 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 didn't do anything, etc. Uh, the decklist one, I think we're a little, we're getting better about it. But I think we're a little too strict on the game losses. It used to be like real cutthroat. Oh yeah, no, we're way better. We're way better on that stuff now. But I, like you know, it was, uh, oh, it was a little over five years ago. This would have been early 2015, where I submitted a decklist with a banishing light. My deck had a banishing light in the sideboard, and in my haste, I just wrote Oblivion Ring. Yeah, which was not a legal card. In it was a standard deck. This was not a legal card in the format. But, like, come on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, 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 you know what it is. And the, the ult, like, ultimately, the reasoning I was given was because there were similar effects. Uh, I think they pointed specifically to Suspension Field, which is a very, like, honestly, you know, similarly templated effect, but a very different card yeah, in and terms it's like of you magic. You see the card that's in my sideboard that has literally the same casting cost and text as this card, just a different name. 
Like slightly different text. Oblivion Ring has the separate triggers. Yeah, but you get right? what I'm saying. Fundamentally, they're the same card. And, and honestly, like if it was a functional reprint, they might have an exact functional reprint. I might have not gotten that game loss. But like, I, you know, I, I, I um, that kind of stuff, I, I think, is kind of nonsense. Especially when like there's a lot of leeway given in other areas where there is significant advantage to be gained. Where like, is anybody ever going to try that and register uh, like Oblivion Ring? claim that they were like meant to write banishing light and instead sit there like swapping between banishing light and suspension field in their sideboard depending upon the matchup like how much effort would that take how much are you gaining what are the risks like nobody's ever doing something like that like it's that you know clear honest mistakes like that on deck lists um i think honestly if if they wanted to get stricter though i think now is like a reasonable time to do it since you can just submit deck lists online the night before Right, like before, you just used to have like show up. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could still do it the night before, I guess, because they accepted it on different paper, but nobody ever did. Um, and you were often just like showing up and writing it like right before you did. Um, but you know, th th there are places where the rules could be resolved. But I've never really gotten into like a huge argument with anybody, at least not that I can really remember. I've had some people just kind of like react poorly when I just try to call a judge and like call them on a normal thing. And I'm just like looking at them like, do you just not know how tournaments work? Like, <laughs> like people that just like really never want to call a judge about anything. That's always kind of suspicious. Um, but it's never really escalated to anything where I'm as incredulous as you were during those stories. Because I was incredulous next to you. I'm just like, well, what are they even it's, trying to do? It's funny too, because like, yeah, you were, you were more incredulous like um, outwardly than I was. Because I have to remain composed in the situation. Right, yeah. like, because I'm the one. Because, like, here's the thing: if you're debating about what's going on with a judge, and you get like a little over, uh, like, too untoward or something like that, right? Like, you're you're never gonna win that argument. Like, you know, they're not gonna take your side if you're like being too brash or you know too combative or whatever. So I'm trying to like calmly present everything in my mind. I'm just like, what is going on? You know, like inside, I'm just like, what is going on? And I'm mad because I'm just like. You know, I feel like I'm being cheated or taken advantage of or whatever, especially with um, like the, the hearing problem that I have. If like you, you, I think you were there at the tournament where I had the problem with my opponent who like gave me shit about my hearing problem and like wouldn't repeat something that I asked him to repeat during a game because I missed it. And like how adamantly angry I was because like I don't ever want to be taken advantage of because of a disability that I have or like some small thing because I would never do that to another human being, you know, like that's just, it's like what we're talking about earlier, just have some, some respect for someone other than yourself, you know, kind of thing. So like, but the thing is, is like, it's, it's why we tell you to call a judge in situations when you you're unsure or you don't know what's going on. It's like, you have to protect yourself in these situations. So anything like that, like, obviously like we had to get judges involved because you had to fix things. But when it comes down to he said, she said, or, you know, that kind of argument, it always sucks because someone's going to feel bad <laughs> coming out of it. And I remember I had a long conversation. I don't know if you knew this, but after that one, the one where you were sitting next to me with the lands opponent, I actually went and talked to the head judge or I'm sorry. Yeah. I went to talk to the head judge later. Cause I was like, do you mind asking the judge that was involved? Cause I didn't know his name or whatever. And I, and you know, it's easier to find a head judge than one specific judge. It's, you know, wearing the same thing as everyone else. I was like, do you mind asking? Cause he ruled in favor of the lands player. I was like, do you mind asking him why? He ruled in favor of the lands player. And uh, it's funny. The head judge actually came back to me later. 
And because uh, we talked about it, because he was like, yeah, I was going to uphold the ruling. And I was like, I have multiple questions then. You know, and I was like, can you ask why? You know, blah, blah. And then I have multiple questions. He's like, okay. And I was like, had he ruled differently, would you have upheld the ruling? He goes, yes. I would have upheld whatever side won because it's, you know, it's a he said, she said kind of thing. And I think my judge who was there first and got the full conversation, probably whatever. And it's the like, no, you know, we didn't see incontrovertible evidence. Right. Right. And there was a lot to this conversation. And obviously um, I would never name names anyway, if I remembered the names involved, because it's a, it's just not cool. And B like, I'm not remembering the situation hundred percent correctly, but I do remember a few things that stood out. Um, I, you know, when we asked the judge why he ruled the other person, the other person got to speak first. So I like added on, I was like, yeah, it happened that way. But I, I, I heard it. Th- I, I noticed it this way kind of thing. He was like, well, his story was like, you know, more detailed. And I was like, yeah, cause he went first. And I was like, if you want, I, I'll, I will tell the story from my point of view, but I will start with what I had for breakfast. And then, you know, how I felt <laughs> on the way to the tournament hall, I will give you every detail possible. And that's why, you know, uh, you know, I, I had a little bit of extra dairy in my breakfast this morning. I didn't really get to take my lactate stuff. So that's why I was a little more ornery in this match than normal. You know, I, I, I got some <laughs> bubble gut going on. You know, like, just like, you know, just it's completely arbitrary bullshit, you know. Fortunately, Brennan and I had your back. Yeah, that yeah. And like, it, it's funny because the head judge actually told me later, he was like, you know, um, he actually would have rolled with me if the situation was a vacuum, you know, like after hearing everything. And he's like, because the part is, is like, even though I did show them, I was like, hey, look, like I've played with that deck and it gets it a million times, like blah, 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 you know, and I showed them my hand, which they can't take this into consideration. But I'm like, why would I ever make this play with the hand that I have? Because I actually could have played around it because it involved me attacking with a Delphi of Secrets, which I never would have attacked with. Yeah, I remember that this line and I remember looking over because I think you like cleared it with me because you usually like when you're in those endgame spots, you always are like, okay, I'm pretty sure the game's over. And you would always like look over to me and be like, yeah, like, I should just do this, right? I'm like, yeah, they're dead. Yeah. You know, just to get, you just like to get that confirmation. Yeah. That's how, that's how it's, you are. It's what, and I remember that happening. Yeah. Because, like, you know it is when, like, you're in, like, a, you're in, like, a complicated, because Legacy is very complicated, right? You're in, like, a complicated yeah, spot. Yeah. You're just like, I just don't want to screw this yeah, up. I, just don't wanna, I know. Yeah. I want some confirmation here. Like, I'm pretty, like, 99%, but I need you to, like, you know, make sure I'm not yeah, being an one. idiot. <laughs> yeah, I need, you know, or whatever. You know, because, like, you've even done it with your decks before where, like, you know your deck infinitely better than I do. And you're just like, you just need to talk it out. You're like this, this, yeah. this, this, and this. And you're like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Or it's not like, well, hey, did you consider this? And you're like, oh, I like, you know, I missed the, the seven out of eight things on the checklist or whatever, you know, the, yeah. the seventh out of the, the eight, you know, sure. stuff. So, but I, I do have one fun, a fun like a, a sort of funny judge call that happened to me. Do you remember back in the days of Corsair Crufix uh, standard when, you know, everybody's just used to like playing with their library revealed? Yeah. Their top card. And you just get used to, like, drawing your card and flipping the next one. Uh, and, but if your courser died, you would always leave the top card that they knew about just revealed, yeah. because whatever, they knew about it, and you just instinctively flip the next yeah. one. And it caused, like, a million warnings during that two years, because courser saw so much play. So there was an open, I believe it was in Providence, and I was playing uh, the Sultai Whip of Erebos, like, you know, mid-range uh, deck. I had one Connecticut States with it the, the week before, the deck was not particularly good. I might have won states even the week after this, but like nice I played break. it for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I had to. I had to get that one in. Yeah, of course. Um, and in, in this event, like I, I was, too, if I've ever won anything ever, so <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I can show you the the medal. Uh, it's, 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 Ross, right we don't here. need. I don't need to see more trophies. Let's let's just let's just <laughs> keep going with this with the story. So uh, 
So I'm, I'm, it's like it's the last round of the Swiss. I'm like playing for a min cash or something. I think I think I'm playing for top thirty two loser top sixty fours. Um, you know, so like really casual match, not much on the line, and I'm fried. Like if you remember these whip decks, like they played really long games, they're super complicated. I am just my brain is fried. Life totals were drastically swingy. Yeah. Yeah. So I I make that course mistake and I call over the judge to give me my warning. And they're like, yeah, they explained to me everything. Like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We keep going. I make it again. And we call over the judge. And they're like, yeah, so have you had a previous warning? I'm like, no, thankfully. Like, it's not going to. They're like, well, it's going to upgrade in the next one. So, like, please be really careful. Like, you know, it's the very end of the day. It would be really weird to, like, get three warnings in one game. I literally did it again, like, two turns later. Uh... <laughs> and I just, at that point, I just started laughing. And it was the same judge all three times. I, I, I think I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Casey Brefka. You're like, I and, did it uh, again. It, <laughs> yeah, I literally like was just laughing as he's walking over. I'm just like, I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like signed the slip and left. I'm like, ah, I lost. Yeah. Like, I just I didn't have the brain power to keep playing. Uh, just so you know, there was no argument. It was just like, ah, I'm stupid. <laughs> so like eight or nine years ago, um, I go to this Invitational in LA, right? And I'm uh, I'm there with Jonathan Job. It's it's the one that he top fours. And um, in the standard, he's playing Naya. I finished exactly 32nd to that Invitational, by the way. Nice. And uh, um, so I finished higher than you, by the way. By even though even though I did not make day two. What? I had a percentage of Jonathan Job. Oh, okay. You just made more money. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, there's a long story with that anyway. But did you have any Roscoe's chicken and waffles? I did. It was amazing. But um, yeah. So, okay. Then we're both winners. Yeah, we're both winners. But um, one of the f- he, he tells the story about a judge call that he had during that tournament. So he was playing Rip Helm in that tournament and it wasn't super widely known at the time. You know what I mean? It, it hadn't been, a, it, it was a thing, but like not as much. And also when you're playing like the SCG tour, people are playing like they, they can qualify for the imitational by playing stuff. That's not legacy. And at the time it was standard and legacy. Right. And so his opponent was like, I, I guess newer to legacy or whatever, you know, had never seen this. And, um, his opponent, it's a really funny one. So uh, just just read Hum of Obedience. You know exactly what the card does. Yeah, of course. You know the thirteen <laughs> lines on whatever. Um, so I don't know if this is the one where he has a rest in peace in play and his opponent casts Show and Tell, and Job's like, "Yeah, resolves." And the guy's like, "Put in Emrakul," and he's like, "All right, I'll put in Helm of Obedience." You know, and like just activate it or whatever, right? And so the guy goes, I- "I'm like new to Legacy. Like, what does that do?" And Job like tries to explain it to him he's like you know like blah 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 and he's like okay I, I, he's like do you mind if i just call a judge he's like yeah for sure so the judge comes over and he he asks he, he tells the judge like what's going on he's like you know my opponent says this like blah 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 and so the judge looks at him he goes he's like so what happens and he goes do you want the long or the short of it and i go short of it and he goes you're dead and walks away it's <laughs> <laughs> like just give me the short explanation he's like yeah you're dead it just walks away <laughs> <laughs> scoop it up <laughs> like, does it doesn't need the explanation because you know sometimes they can be long-winded you know they they because they have to right they give you the full yeah, explanation. a lot of a lot of the they try to be very uh precise Succinct, so they're yeah. they're not telling you the wrong thing right go b- b- straight by the book <laughs> you want the long sure <laughs> that feels like a judge that's had that call already that day yeah i can give you the 17 word, you know the 17 sentence answer or i can tell you you're dead you know, kind of thing. And Job said he just lost it. Like, obviously. Because, <laughs> like, it's not only the judge just does that. He just said he just looks at him and goes, you're dead. And then turns around and walks away, like, immediately. Yeah. Doesn't even, like, wait for, no. like, confirmation nope. that the guy understands and accepts the answer. I think, I think he said he, that, like, he could tell the guy. You know, you walk up and you can get the feeling of, like, the room. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, the guy was like, I'm pretty sure I'm dead. But he's just like, you know, 
confirm I'm dead, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And I always, I've always remembered that story because that is just hilarious that, that a judge would do that. Because I know judges who would who would act that way unless they're like, look, if you don't want the explanation, you're just dead. Like that is the way it works. If you don't know how we, it we works, can leave I'm not it gonna, at that. Not can be on my way. Yeah, I'm not going to explain it to you. Google it. It's Helm of Obedience. Rest in peace. It's a cool little thing that goes yeah. on in in Legacy, and I hate it. So, uh, but I was going to say we're two hours in. I think we've ranted enough and tangented enough uh, for this week. So uh, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. Let's start to do a little bit of the uh, the housekeeping. Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your shit, read more of your stuff, or watch you do watch you lose your hair as you get ridiculous yeah. plays made against you, where would they do that? Okay, first things first. My Twitter at Ross Hunnids R O S S H U N N E D S. Uh, you know, you'll find updates about all of my other content there and, you know, you can ask me questions about whatever. I definitely try to get back to people. Um, my, uh, written content on Star City Games this week is going up on Friday. Cedric's been playing around a lot with the schedule, so I don't have a consistent day to tell you. I know this week's article will be up, up on Friday. Um, so you can check that out and be up uh, 11 a.m. Eastern there. And Versus Live, which I host with Corey Baumeister, Tuesdays and Thursdays on uh, Star City's Twitch channel, same place you go to watch open coverage, or did. Uh, that's 1 to 4 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Eastern Time. You know, we like to have a good time. Hopefully you can catch it live and ask questions there, because we take questions from the audience. Um, you know, play basically any format we think is relevant. Have a good time with that. And then uh, I am now streaming regularly so you can come to my Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash Ross underscore Miriam, M-E-R-R-I-A-M, like the dictionary. Um, I play mostly modern and pioneer. Um, so if you like those formats, come watch me, you know, dirtle around or do whatever. I don't know. I just play decks I like, play tournaments when I can. Play. I do some cube drafting. I enjoy the cube drafts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy the cube drafts as sometimes well. Sometimes I join in. You know, it's, it's fun. I liked modern cube more than I liked vintage cube. Vintage cube, sometimes you're just like, yeah, my opponent fucking ancestral being then snapcastered it. Like, well, I mean, you're me. also a professional modern cuber. Er, er, so. Yeah. My, my win rate in modern cube was about 75% across like 11 drafts. So not a huge sample, but I had five. I think I had five trophies in 11 drafts. Pretty damn good. Uh, as for me, uh, my Twitter is at the Tannen Grace. Uh, I'm like Ross, very active on there. If you have any questions, uh, my DMs and stuff are open, or you can just tweet at us. Like somebody today was asking for the recipe for those Almond Joy cookies that we talked about in the last episode that I'm obsessed with. And I can't find a like specific recipe, which is probably good because I would make them too often or whatever. So, and it keeps them being like that thing that I get maybe like once every like two months. That's just, you know, out of this world. Good. Um, I've been streaming myself a little bit more lately. Uh, not as much magic. A lot of like Warzone, Overwatch, uh, some Arena on there too. I've been doing a lot of a like I am. I was I was high Mythic in Limited on Arena. I don't think I am anymore. I had a couple of bad drafts and also you decay when you don't play and stuff. So, but uh, generally I do stream some some Mythic Limited on Arena because I actually like this set a lot for drafting. It's quite sweet. And uh, it helps me just, I always, I have every card like on Arena or access to every card in Arena. So it helps me keep, stay, stay infinite and stuff like that. A um, couple of cool things to look forward to if you like hearing me or any of my opinions or anything like that. Um, 
I did an interview that was magic related on Monday for Crocodile MTG, uh, his Twitch and his uh, YouTube. You can Google it and find that there. Um, it's only like like an hour, hour and a half. So it's like another podcast episode. He made that joke all the time. He's like, yeah, it's like an episode of your podcast. I was like, yeah. So if you want to hear my opinions and stuff, uh, there were some pretty deep hitting questions on there. And I didn't really pull any punches on a few of them. So if you want to hear me go off a little bit more, like if you liked the soapbox part of this episode, you'll, you'll like that. Um, also going forward, um, I don't know how often this is going to be, but if you uh, have heard of the NRG series, um, they're doing what a lot of people are doing when moving a lot of their stuff online. And they're doing a show called NRG at Night. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Joe Lissette. And they're going to have different you know, people on every night. Uh, they're going to be doing commentary over uh, some matches. They're running a Pioneer tournament right now, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if you like Pioneer, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. You can see some... I have one question about this, Tanner. What's that? Do they spell Night N-I-T-E, yes. or N-I-G-T, yeah. N-I-G-H-T? It's N-I-T-E, I believe. Um, uh, sorry, you like threw me there. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. So... Um, you know, that show is, I, th yeah, the first episode was tonight. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing this week. As far as I know, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming this is going to be a regular thing for them, but it is in ITE. I just checked. That's why I was having a hard time talking. I was doing two things at once and I'm not good at that, but I will be the Friday episode. So if you want to hear me do what is going to be kind of like a hybrid, uh, late night talk show for a few minutes, plus magic commentary, uh, I used to do commentary quite a bit, so it's, it's going to be nice to get back in uh, on that old horse. I expect to be quite rusty, so don't judge me too hard, but it is nice to get back in the booth and, and do that kind of stuff. There should, there should be some shenanigans. It, it should be quite fun and stuff as well. I like to have a lot of fun when I do this stuff, so uh, it's going to be cool. And I will say this. I've seen the, some of the deck lists that were involved in the tournament. There is some sweet stuff going on. A lot of Luris decks, a lot of Yorion decks, a lot of, a lot of cool Pioneer decks. Um one of the matches I'm hoping not to have to do that one is a mid-range mirror that takes like 90-something minutes. So any Yorian mirror. Yeah, it's a Yorian mirror. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we use like the full amount of a lot of time or whatever. I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's easier like when you're in the match, you don't realize how long it's taking, but when you're doing commentary, you're like, dear Lord, make it stop. Or whatever. <laughs> but there was a, there was a, when I used to do Hearthstone commentary for a living, there was a metagame that was horrible for that. Like matches would take hours and it was just horrific, but Anyway, this is not uh, Hearthstone. This is magic. So um, as for the, the, the cast itself, it does have a Twitter. It's at Cast Pioneer. Please give it a follow. Uh, lots of cool retweets and stuff coming out of that. You can see whenever the show goes live. Uh, we retweet a lot of like really cool deck lists or dope shit, as we like to talk about. Um, if you go to the Twitter, there's a link on there to our Discord and our Patreon. We would really appreciate if you interacted with both of those. Our Discord, we're well over 600 people in there that are active and awesome and doing all kinds of cool stuff. You'll hear us mention almost every single show. Um, and that's where we got our questions from. Um, our questions are one of the, the perks that the patrons get that uh, donate to our Patreon channel. And that's at patreon.com slash pioneercast. You get your own channel in there. Um, you get to ask us questions. And we do have some rewards and gifts that we're going to be giving out um, at some point. We actually physically have them. We're not sure when they're going to go out because of the world being you know, just on fire right now. So for whatever term you want to use it. So whenever that slows up, we have some cool tokens we're going to give out and we have some other stuff in the works as well. Um, don't want to give away too much, you know, kind of want to like keep it together because we don't pull it off. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver kind of stuff. <laughs> so, but that does it for this week. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed this episode and me just ranting my ass off during this one. So 
If you don't like me or my rants, I apologize. Well, I'm sorry, my tangents. Don't apologize. If you don't like Tannen or his rants, go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right, I didn't expect that, but that happened. We'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah, but... Anyway, uh, we love each and every one of you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for just continuing to listen to our show. Uh, we actually have a blast making this every week. If you haven't noticed, I think you can kind of tell if you listen to the show. I look forward to this every week, and we look forward to making you one next week. So we'll see you then. Bye.